0: Hello, and welcome back to Oops! All Scaries. Uh, today's episode will be focusing on the second half of The Shining by Stephen King. Uh, that would be parts four through nine, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, previous episode, we discussed the first half. Um, now we have all the knowledge. Oh, I'm, I'm already going into my spiel. Um, I'm leaving out a very important part. Um, I am here with my lovely co-host, Jacqueline. i apologize i just got on a roll i'm sorry it's
1: fine i understand you know but you're not wrong i will be the loveliest thing today
0: you can't see me but i
1: cute face yeah Uh, but the competition there isn't much competition
0: yeah let's start off we finished now officially this being part two we finished the shining we can say we did it i'm just for let's just to start it off. General, general feelings on an opinion just right off the bat. Jacqueline.
1: Well, you should be as happy as I am.
0: And why is that?
1: The one thing we didn't want to happen. Vic
0: Halloran lives, baby.
1: My man came in clutch and survived. I yeah. really thought he was going to be our sacrificial okay, lamb.
0: So did I. And. <laughs> that's actually in my notes um <laughs> it literally was <laughs> dick halloran lives baby uh but yeah so when he i mean we get so many chapters of Dick caloran and i like him we
1: get him talking oh with, yeah. like his story it's I mean, it's we pretty great. he
0: becomes we didn't get a lot of this in the uh in the first half of the novel but in the second half uh, he becomes one of our pov characters he's someone who gets their own, his own chapters the whole time he's on his way, I'm dreading it. And he, he set it up. It was foreshadowed.
1: And I feel like every time they gave him another chapter, I'm like, oh, you're just trying to fucking like lead me on. Oh, yeah. You're just trying to hold off. I see this. I feel it. I know what you're doing. And I was wrong.
0: I mean, first of all, it was foreshadowed uh, mm-hmm. many times in his chapters, because as we we know from the first half, Dick Halloran has the shine. Not quite as much as Danny, um, but he's pretty good. And he had those feelings and he uh, he felt like he should get his will written up. And he did like two days before um, Danny. Like, so that's how it's going to be. Yep. And later he didn't even put it together until later, like he bent over and it fell out of his pocket and he saw the will. And he thought like, oh, is that is that what this is like? Oh, man, is this going to be my last rodeo? Shit. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed dick in chapters i love him yeah he's great i am very glad he survived and that's a bit of a subversion not only be from that movie but um, if hmm. anyone has seen the movie doctor sleep it also implies that he's dead so i guess it's more of a sequel to the movie than a sequel to the novel But okay but besides <laughs> the fact that dick lived a general opinion thought on the actual novel itself
1: so despite the Stephen King can't write an ending, I thought it was good.
0: I agree. No, I like the ending. I had no issues with, okay, not no issues. There are well, issues we'll we get, can talk. But yeah. like
1: vague, I, vague broad strokes here. Yes. I was pleased.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, the more I read this. Uh, as I read along, the more I thought, man, it's going to sound like I'm a Stephen King fanboy. And I'm okay with I'm not. It. I'm not actually, <laughs> I really did enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I read it for, for many reasons. Um, Stylistically there were things I enjoyed in it and I'm, I'm eager to watch the movie again. It's been a few years. And now with this new knowledge, I'm yeah. aware of the big changes Um, but I'm I'm really happy I read it I love a lot of the descriptions in it and the way he handles moving between characters so overall I and the ending yeah I didn't have any issues with it really or I have some but overall spoiler alert if you're listening to this episode we're about to talk about all of this the second half of The Shining but I mean it blows up Jack goes bye-bye Wendy and Danny survive and so does Dick like the ending or the kind of uh, denouement at the end with them Mm
1: -hmm. sitting
0: uh, like on the beach or you know on the dock yeah
1: and And I liked that they still acknowledged it like Mm -hmm. everything that happened Dick and Danny get their little talk and when he says I wish it was me little dude oh, no and
0: he was daddy's boy i hate it daddy turned into a monster or a not monster and that's not daddy anymore that's not jack
1: yeah so many so many titles of things
0: at one point it's the manager and then it was sometimes the overlook mm-hmm. there's a few phrases they use or they use for the entity that is but the overlook i think is generally it was the hotel since i already asked about the ending i was curious were there any parts of this that didn't work for you
1: nothing was really like glaring that a little like this the only thing that made me uncomfy was uh, a lot of use of the n-word and like i get it i get it's a different time i get it's writing about like some of it was in dick's point of view Mm -hmm. but it was just like i feel like you're too comfortable
0: (laughs) I I see both sides of the coin in that one, I can acknowledge that when we whenever I view or read a work that was written or published in a different time period, Mm -hmm. I I mean, things, customs and norms change. So there's one thing, you know, I always have to look through it with that lens. But I also see it as, yes, Stephen King is a white man. And yes, there was some pretty liberal use of the N-word in here. It was usually from the malevolent force of the house trying to kind of... Or not the house, the hotel. But because it could also imagine... that this sort of people that are ghosts entities that resided in the overlook from the time periods who they mm-hmm. were would have no issue with that. So yeah, <laughs> I understand the uncomfy aspect of that, but I was also seeing like, it. W- I felt like it was supposed to be uncomfortable at the
1: same time. So that works. Cause it worked on me. Oh, yeah. Uh, also like looking at Stephen King, like sure. He is a, an older dude. And so he might not be, fully caught up to the way that you and I think about things, mm-hmm. but he is a pretty solid dude with like his views politically and like who yeah. he supports. So like, I have no doubt that he's like a decent man.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, this is obviously all speculative or, or purely opinion, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it wasn't used as some way to be able to, haha, I got to use the word and stuff.
1: So let's get into like chronologically. Oh man,
0: my notes are not all chronological, but we'll go specifically I mean, like vaguely me I'm going back to four i my notes are I've got two sets of notes I'm on it all right, so bring <laughs> on your part four
1: part four snowbound. It's funny to make notes too, and things that are like foreshadowed and I make a note, and then it's like, oh no, that was like yeah, that's the point. um, was Jack trying to passively kill Danny with the wasps? yes.
0: I, I, it was. I don't think so.
1: I, yes, definitely. Wouldn't okay,
0: was that mean. even part four? With the, I thought that was like part three, but I, we can still talk no, about it. No, it's like the, when
1: it comes back up because they talk about like the potential lawsuit.
0: Oh, right. Because I think we get into Jack's POV, his point of view, and he thinks like, I couldn't have known it was defective. Oh, you mean like it was in Not Him, Jack, not Jack, him, like, overlook, 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 Influence, Jack. Jack. We can, we can, or we'll just call it Overlook Jack. Because think
1: about it. Maybe like it wasn't even sprayed enough or something because he loses all of these time gaps and stuff. So maybe what he thought he did, he didn't actually do because he was influenced to do something else. At first I was wondering if they weren't even there.
0: Oh, I think they're there.
1: Oh no, definitely.
0: The point wasn't to kill him with the wasps. I think that was to injure him and kind of poke and prod, because I, I think that was one of the moments where the Overlook is gaining strength, but hasn't quite mm-hmm. got its pizzazz yet. So it was able to, like, that's a scary But it thing was to
1: intentional.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, but yes, yes.
1: Killing might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but... Fair
0: enough. Oh, yeah, but the intent... Also, that it was, no
1: one knew if he was allergic or not. They hadn't even thought, because he was sure that they were dead. But he brings it up. He does. Like, he's the one that says it first. We talked about this last time, but, like, he brings it up, like, are you allergic? Because if you are, he might be. So, I don't know, because at times I feel like... I know I'm supposed to think, and, like, the core of it, Jack is a good person, but I also wonder, is he just projecting nice things saying things so he doesn't look bad i think it's a
0: little bit of both this might be deeper than what stephen king meant in his writing (laughs) but just in general and this is something that'll kind of come up that i love later on when we get one of wendy's povs when she after they lock up jack and she has like these conflicting thoughts. I think it's supposed to speak to that where overall, I think he's he wants to be good. But obviously he's got this terrible temper or not obviously, but he has a terrible temper been known to lose it in times. And I think the Overlook is, is taking advantage of that and pushing out that side. And so I, I think he wanted to be good and he was trying, but like th- that sort of ambiguity... Is there because he's still human? There are times when even the Overlook attempts to take over his thoughts and he starts thinking I should do this and then has to snap out of it. And I think that speaks a lot to, I mean, like if he has those bad thoughts, but he always stops himself and is able to correct it. Like, is he a bad person or is he a bad person? I mean, like he might be a bad person, but he's trying hard to be good. I don't know. That speaks a lot to just like morality and.
1: Yeah, well. We get another one of those dumps of backstory. Which one? His father.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That scene.
1: Oh, my God. I thought she was dead. And by she, I mean his mom. It was intense. It felt, I'm not sure how many pages, but like it felt Mm long-winded in not a bad way. Again, it was very detailed, very in the moment of story. Yeah. I was very intrigued when we got like when we started to go through that Mm -hmm. because i was curious as to where it was going to go i was sure that his dad was a garbage person because it's been alluded to but (laughs) it was a lot worse than i expected
0: one of stephen king's strengths is that like in those moments of violence it's it doesn't seem gratuitous But it is dragged out and dragged out is I don't think the right word because when I say dragged out I mean simply that you get an extensive passage describing everything, but it's not gratuitous it's just you see this image. And in this scene, it's the full
1: thing in comparison to like a short flashback or something.
0: At least this uh, novel with the overlook, the way it seems mm-hmm. to kind of make people prone to look inward and draws at their past memories to use against them. But yeah, it starts at him as like a little child, remembering uh, how his father would play uh, what game was it? Was it the train elevator. game? Or elevator. Yeah. And sometimes the elevator crashed down. Um, when he was, the father was too drunk and accidentally let go of little Jackie when he was what, like eight feet in the air flying back. But yeah, like a
1: couple screws loose.
0: That scene, it goes from then and just kind of these flashes as I see, I think he moves on almost like four years in that little story Mm -hmm. he talks about yes and at this age I kind of realized this and at this age I realized that and And finally talks
1: a little bit about his siblings and how he was always the run to the litter his dad said Mm -hmm. his dad was a big guy even his sister was taller than him for most of his life and then he got to six feet even Uh, what did his dad do was he like a nurse
0: he was a nurse. The,
1: the scene, the, the big scene.
0: With the cane.
1: With the cane. I had to reread it.
0: I stopped and reread back too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it it caught me so off guard.
0: I think that's the strength.
1: But damn. It like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. I need to restart this.
0: If you're not familiar, you just kind of want to hear us chat about uh, The Shining. And one of these flashbacks jacks he's maybe like 12 or 10 either way he's he's preteen. at the table his father seems just kind of disassociating not or possibly drunk drunk. and he has his cane because he had an accident a couple years prior Um, and suddenly the mother is serving things food at the table he mentions something about coffee or she mentions coffee and he the father grab
1: swears that he said coffee he's like to this day i swear it was coffee it's like he's blaming himself still even before mm-hmm. he gets to the story
0: and then he raises that heavy cane and bashes his wife's face head She falls to the ground. There's blood spatter. He said her glasses ended in the mashed potatoes. And then he hits her seven more times while she's down. And it takes until his two brothers, his older brothers, uh, who are teenagers, I believe they like restrain Mm -hmm. him. And one of them, I believe his name is Brett, is like telling him, if you move, I'll kill you. This sudden violence. There's so much detail. But when I say it's not gratuitous, in my opinion, it's because it's detailed, but it doesn't, it's not trying to make it flashy. It's just, you see the images and it's cringy. And mm-hmm. I say that in not a bad way because I think it's well done.
1: Like when I say it's very detailed, I mean, within the length of it. Also, I think there's something interesting with like the lengths of the paragraphs. Like you're very stuck oh, in yes, yeah. because they are some of the longest ones I think in the book.
0: There's one paragraph I, I did mark later. Um, <laughs> After you mentioned it, and I have the hardcover, so my pages are a little longer. It's less pages, but they're longer. And one entire page plus some other was one paragraph. I said, this is what Jacqueline is talking about. (laughs) I see it.
1: (laughs) And thank you. So it's long. You're like stuck in it. And that's like a stylistic thing that you can see and like feel. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's like the grossness is over exaggerated. We get like just enough of like how gross it is, her face. And the fact that she stands up and says like the newspaper, does anyone have the newspaper? Like your dad wants to read the funnies or something. Daddy wants to read the funnies. Is it raining yet? Like, I don't know if he was asking for like the comic strip instead of coffee or she was just like in autopilot because he's like rocked her shit and she doesn't know what to say. And like, I don't know. Anything is possible. Or she's just like trying to make up for the fact that he just beat her. So she's trying to help him get what he wants. I
0: think after at at least two blows to the head and multiple more to your body, I feel like at that point it was sort of not random, but it was just kind of her brain putting other pieces of conversations together, not realizing what was going on. I looked up the excerpt, but Mm -hmm. um, this is how it's written. Mama had opened her mouth to answer, and then the cane was wickering through the air, smashing against her face. Blood spurted from her nose. Becky screamed. Mama's yeah. spectacles dropped into her gravy. The cane had been drawn back, had come down again, this time on top of her head, splitting the scalp. Mama had dropped to the floor. He'd been out of his chair and around to where she lay dazed on the carpet, brandishing the cane moving with a fat man's grotesque speed and agility, little eyes flashing, jowls quivering as he spoke to her, just as he had always spoken to his children during such outbursts. Now, now by Christ, I guess you'll take your medicine now. Goddamn puppy. Well, come on, take your medicine. The cane had gone up and down on her seven more times before Brett and Mike got hold of him there's even a little more explaining in the next paragraph mm-hmm. when he recalls it
1: when they call the doctor and they're like I can't tell you just get here just get here doctor comes and asks what happened and they're like oh she fell down the stairs and mm-hmm. her glasses landed in the mashed potatoes okay yeah definitely that checks out like he's t- he-
0: it's implied he's very sarcastic about it
1: yeah definitely and i loved that because just speaking of eras here wouldn't wouldn't always be the case that someone would stand up for domestic Mm -hmm. abuse like yeah
0: and unfortunately what what kind of divides the family later or jack's family was that later apparently the pastor also talked to the mother in the hospital Mm -hmm. and she corroborated the father's story yeah i fell down the stairs and that's when i think jack kind of broke some of his disillusion or he felt disillusioned and that's when Brett like shortly after joined uh the army things like that just
1: it says that he escaped
0: and then he died shortly thereafter a few years after but yes I believe the word used was escaped and that's another one thing again maybe I sound Stephen King fanboy but I love a lot of the verb usage (laughs) And that's just something I learned in school. Once it was pointed out to me, I couldn't unsee it. I'm okay with that because he uses a lot of verbs that are just on point. That I think Mm -hmm. like that's the right word. That's really like I wish I had thought of that word. And that sounds like that's one of his strengths. That's probably one of the reasons I enjoyed this novel so much.
1: And then as it goes on after that, kill him. You have to kill him, Jackie and her, too, because a real artist must suffer yeah. because each man kills the thing he loves because they'll always be conspiring against you, trying to hold you back and drag you down. Right this minute, that boy of yours is in where he shouldn't be trespassing. That's what he's doing. He's a goddamn little pup. Cane him for it, Jackie, using all of that same language that we had just heard caning puppy, all that stuff. It's sad that this is our our how to we have to kill someone, David.
0: Yep. Well, you can kill them. I'll help hide the body. Maybe we're
1: not real artists yet. We haven't suffered enough.
0: I don't know. We got dead people. You know, I'm just saying (laughs) people that we haven't made dead. Just so we're clear. Yes. That not by our
1: own hands, not not our responsibility they have died they were close
0: so she says but yes that's <laughs> I meant I don't need any more tragedy please <laughs> I would like a yeah
1: I'd prefer a uh, simple time
0: I'm cool where I'm at yeah you know let, let's look for some good stuff
1: <laughs> <laughs> we deserve some easy times oh, I hate when people say shit like that art is pain you suffer for your art
0: oh yeah art is pain all that jazz <laughs> I've heard it
1: I, I know that art is like a coping mechanism and you can use it as therapy. You know, some people write a novel. My dad uh, mows his lawn. You know, we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. He's been working on his garden, growing like 60 tomato plants. Well, I
0: think that that's cool. I
1: think he parks his car by the garden and like blasts the, the blues night on the radio and just has a beer and takes care of his garden and he's like yep that's my therapy and i said you might need some professional help he's like you're probably right but i'll start here (laughs) but it's good that you know we all have our things
0: I believe that pain can be a great source of inspiration and Mm -hmm. that, yeah, like you said, coping, you can pour some of that into a work of art. It can be very cathartic. Um, That being said, you don't need (laughs) to experience that to be able to create art. Um, There are plenty of other um, emotions that you can channel into your art that are just as worthy
1: and the cool thing about making art based off of bad things in your life Mm -hmm. is that it can be as vague as you want it to be
0: but yeah there are techniques you can use to get messages across in your art without having to just plaster it on a billboard say hey look at me get it get it it's
1: like the the tim o'brien thing it's what i say all the time when i talk about fiction uh there's a story in one of his collections where or part of something. I don't remember what it's from, but it's about going to war and going to Vietnam and about to get drafted. And in the story, he drives a little bit north, more north, more north, like to the Canadian border and like deciding if he's going to draft Dodge or not. If you do that, you can't come back. Like, Oh yeah. You can't come back to America in the story. Well, he eventually decides that he's going to come home and he's going to go to war. He was asked in an interview at one point. So like, how was that for you? And he goes, well, that's not the truth. The, the truth is that I spent that summer playing mini golf and going to Dairy Queen with my friends. But if I would have told you that, You wouldn't have understood what I was feeling on the inside. Every day in my heart, I was making that drive. But if I would have told you that, if I would have told you what was really happening, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have believed the way that I was feeling or the way that I said that I felt. Mm -hmm. So there is truth in fiction. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense because what like what I feel when I say I'm sad might not be how you feel when you're sad so you mm-hmm. don't really understand what i'm saying
0: everyone's going through their own shit different, yeah and yeah.
1: different ways to interpret it different levels of those words mm-hmm. so that's why like saying escaped in that sentence means that he needed to get out of something and it wasn't and it's fucking escaping going to the army that's not really a good escape route
0: but for him, it was better. It was still an escape. That's mm-hmm. probably
1: the only option that he had to actually leave. There's weight to words. Let's see. <laughs> One of my notes was, oh, Jackie boy, don't blame your wife for beating your kid. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's always nagging me and stuff. And he gets really mad about it. And he tried because she keeps thinking about having to protect Danny from him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, she's she keeps thinking it. So it's probably just going to happen anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. She's always assuming, or not assuming, but worrying,
1: preparing for the worst. And then our boy comes in the boy we've been waiting for, the man himself, the best. Ain't no other one like him.
0: Dick? Are you talking about Dick? No. Which one? Are you Lloyd. Talking about? Oh, Lloyd. Okay. So I totally missed that <laughs> reference, which is the reason there's excitement in my voice is because literally. <laughs> literally the thing I just highlighted in my notes that I was like, I want to talk about was Lloyd. And so yeah. the fact that I missed him makes me feel silly.
1: The thing I highlighted, or my little post-its is, hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I loved this. Yes. I was so excited because I was picking apart on the page again, things you see versus things you would hear if you're listening yes. to the story. Oh my God, it was so good. The way that it these interactions are happening when he sits down in the stool in the ballroom, he's talking to Lloyd. He's outwardly saying, Hi, Lloyd, he said. A little slow tonight, isn't it? Lloyd said it was. Lloyd asked him what it would be. There are no quotation marks. Yeah, It is just get on out the of page. Get my head,
0: Jacqueline. Because <laughs> I literally <laughs> said, and this is part of my thing in chapter 28, Jack goes to the Colorado lounge and tells Mm -hmm. his wagon story to Lloyd Lloyd only ever responds to gestures and tellings never Mm be a dialogue. He could have had him respond, but having it yep. shown just through the lens of what Jack experienced.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was like, it shows like how the hotel's messing with him. And that it's still not at full strength because later yes, on, that's it. <laughs> yes, it's, it's able to influence him, put on a little bit of show and dance, but not like later when the whole mm-hmm. freaking things lit up. And Wendy and Danny and everyone can see it. It was just mm-hmm. and later on, they do have a conversation where Lloyd responds in dialogue. Which and I, I was liked like, it. there it is. Because I totally <laughs> wrote that in my notes. I was like, it's great that in that scene, the first interaction, Lloyd mm-hmm. never technically says any. Or it says he says something, but we never see a dialogue, which means it probably wasn't said out loud. It's something that Jack
1: thinks. And that is something that can't happen in the movie.
0: Yeah, so it uh, wouldn't make sense. It,
1: you can't really show that sort of thing. Unless he just didn't speak, which would have been weird. And not like a good weird.
0: You'd have to think really outside the box to try and convey it in some way. <laughs> I had it in a, in a category, said random shit Dave likes. And that was one of my <laughs> notes was specifically that that part. Just because normally, you know, I know the writer added show don't tell. But in here, the telling is actually very it's actually showing the telling yes. is showing, and I don't know It was a subversion until it like geeking mm-hmm. out, but I totally was into it. I was like, That's I was awesome! So and I, I was like, How much you want to bet Lloyd's gonna speak later? We you he actually exactly. hear his voice, <laughs> but right now it was very obvious that they're telling you what he said, but you don't yeah. get to see it. So I'm like, He's sitting alone in this room, like crazy man. Not really, mm-hmm. we know the overlook's messing with him. Oh, I'm so glad. You had that.
1: I don't know if it's here or a little bit later where it gets brought up about the, Oh no. It's like, he turns the light on and like things kind of go away. Cause he talks about when he goes into the room, like the, the beer taps, have oh. the beer dripping. And then there's all of the bottles
0: well, oh, he sees them one time.
1: It's like in right there when you're he's right. This is the, what...
0: the first part because mm-hmm. he sees the bottles. And later when he, he checks right then and they're not there in chapter 43 or something drinks on the house because I just had a note mm-hmm. that point he's able to interact with bottles. But at this point, they're there. Then they're not Later on, yeah. he actually got magic booze.
1: Danny kind of has that thought at one point because he's told, like, they can't really hurt you. It's like pictures in a book.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's
1: like, oh, if I don't look, I can't get hurt or like they, they won't be able to touch me, And which clearly they do. Like, he has marks on him from the lady in 217. But it just made me think of the little little boo ghosts in Mario where, like, mm-hmm. they're going to get you. They're going to get you. And then they turn <laughs> around and they hide their faces. They're my favorite. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's great. (laughs) That reminds me kind of of something. Specifically, you were talking about how he was told they couldn't hurt you. But it seems later on like normally that might be true. And there's definitely this sort of implication Mm -hmm. uh, that it's specifically Danny. Danny is somehow synergizing with the Overlook. And giving. it's feeding on him. And it's giving it like extra strength. Because later on even... uh, our boy, Dick Halloran, is just like, man, I've never felt it this strong before. And he's mm-hmm. just heading toward it.
1: Do you think that Dick didn't get hurt all those times that he was working there because he doesn't have enough shine? Like kind of what you're saying?
0: And plus, he never was there in the winter. Um, I think Um, That's what are... I
1: was going to say. Is this on a, like a cycle where like they have their their uh, season? I called summer. it a like. Oh, later on, when Lloyd is trying to, s- no, it's Grady. Grady's mm-hmm. trying to sell the hotel essentially. Yeah. Like, you got to stay here. I'm like, what is this? Some weird summer camp? Well,
0: because it's, it's only open during the summer and it's always closed down just being taken care of in the winter. So it seems like when it's more isolated, like or when there's fewer people in the winter and they're, they're kind of trapped, cut off from the outside world, because that's what the snow essentially does. It cuts off the road. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the hotel actually tricks Jack into destroying the CB radio when he thinks his dead and dad is fucking talking else. to him. At which point, yeah, and then later on, the Overlook convinces him to toss the um, Magneto Spark from plane. the snowmobile. Snowmobile, But yes, yeah, so I think it's part of that isolation, I think, is supposed to be key, specifically because they're alone and cut off and it's just them the overlook mm. is like able to really hone in and then i think danny really was a big part him being there i think was it was getting it's looking it's chops
1: did you like the recipe that we got
0: is this the part of the three quarter sherry
1: she poured a hefty dollop into the teacup put the sherry back filled the last quarter of with the milk. cup with milk then added three Three. tablespoons of sugar
0: i wrote that shit down so much it sounds awful too
1: and he's having a hard time milk and wine Mm, sign me up
0: dairy and liquor
1: rum chata white russians yeah yeah, true true uh mudslides
0: true okay fine
1: it's a thing baileys and coke baileys and coke is crazy it like slushes I don't understand. There was an old lady that would always order them when I worked at a bowling alley. <laughs> and then we would we would as a like a gift to the volleyball teams because there's a bowling alley and beer garden. Each team once a summer or season whatever would get free drinks for the entire roster, which is like 12 people. So they would get one free drink whatever they want, top shelf if they wanted. These fuckers would never tip properly. But one time I went back, Someone's I'd a be little like, salty. yeah, I'm well, I was trying to like help I... them out. I'm like, you want gray goose? Get gray goose. You want a gray goose and Red Bull? Get it. Cause that's like the most expensive drink there. So mm, it's 12 downers, drinks baby. and oh God, I can't, kid- I can't do it. <laughs> and then one team was like 12 white Russians. <laughs> it is, it is 80 degrees out. We don't have milk. I am not going to the store to get... I was just like, you never order this. I serve you every week. Every Thursday you're here. Someone you want convinced a white Russian? them.
0: They're like, let's all get white Russians. <laughs>
1: I hated it. I was so mad. I just told them no. The customer is not always right. <laughs> That's the facts. Anyway, I was surprised that the cooking wine like survived and... Jack hadn't tapped into it.
0: You didn't do it for him. I was surprised I once they mentioned that. I was like, well, I felt like when he's at one point I need a drink. It's like, well, it's got something. I mean, I'm not saying it's strong. Right? He's like, I'll do anything right now.
1: <laughs> just... Yeah. He's not that desperate at least. So I was like, oh, good for you, man. Or maybe he just has his his uh air quote standards.
0: Nah, even I wouldn't stoop to that.
1: No, he's just like guzzling all the mouthwash that the- Travel sized mouthwash in every room. So we talk about time, and sometimes when people describe time, it really rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what he you mean. stared <laughs> for a long immobile second. He could taste his terror now. It was in the back of his throat, like a taste of a gone over cherries. Loved it. I love when like emotions or feelings or like sensations like get a taste top tier descriptions right there
0: (laughs) it's because it's like linking more senses more sensory
1: oh that was when he goes in to see the woman
0: oh in room 217 yeah
1: he could see it but he doesn't go in and like actually see her he sees like he
0: hears it He's a coward yeah. in that scene. No, he's like I a coward. know.
1: Well, she got back in the tub. I was surprised that she just I wanted her to just be waiting with like hands up ready to grab him.
0: I feel like she always has to start the scene there. Like, whenever someone comes <laughs> she in. She responds. Seeing, yeah. It, like, listen for some cinematic effect. You got to be in the tub on the end of the room. Otherwise, it's just too obvious. It's the, the tension. The slow yeah, rate
1: but, of revelation. Yeah. Like, exactly. revealing has to go she, very She's slow. got her
0: scare standards, too.
1: She's had a lot of time to practice this.
0: He lies.
1: Yeah. He's like, nope, saw nothing. Not a thing.
0: Which technically was true. Cause the uh-huh. fucker made sure never to look around, and then he closed his eyes when someone, when the woman was rattling the door. So he, he even justifies it to himself and says, "Technically, it was the truth." And I was like, mm-hmm. "You motherfucker! I'm sorry, but like your son
1: has physical marks. Yeah,
0: nope, he's it's, been uh, hurt. It's all good." But that's again, that's uh, the overlook. That's it, yeah. influencing him
1: because he wants to be there he doesn't want to leave even now he doesn't want to leave
0: and in that chapter it specifically says that uh when he does lie it says he's surprised by the hardiness of his voice so he actually didn't even as he Mm -hmm. was saying it he didn't expect himself to lie with such confidence which i think speaks again to the hotel
1: and he immediately is like trying to shut down Every idea that Wendy has for leaving.
0: Oh my God.
1: He says, you want us to just go out there? It would take so many days. And if the weather is bad, well, that'll take us out. Mm-hmm. So it's either we die out there, or we die in here. Take your pick.
0: Yeah. And the whole time, I think that scene was very unnerving for me, but in, in a positive yeah. way, because I be- is that also the scenery starts to kind of seduce her and touch her as he's giving her reasons like oh no it's you know we can't do this and then she finally comes up with the snowmobile idea and he's like yeah Mm -hmm. I'll do it tomorrow babe and
1: I hated it it was good it was well written and it works as a story but I was mad
0: yeah but there's a line in there that I think speaks to it because the tone of the voice because he's trying to distract her essentially from what she really the the main conversation so he starts touching her essentially Mm -hmm. and changing his voice and things like that but it says as he's toying with her her voice is kind of getting husky and a little deeper Mm -hmm. and as he replies His voice was, it's like, it was the same tone as someone that was reading like a dull story. He was totally not Mm -hmm. thinking about that. It it was more a calculated move of, I'm going to distract her while I try and convince her not to leave. Jack's not thrilled about leaving because big list of reasons. That's what was my Mm -hmm. notes because, yeah, he made up every excuse in the book.
1: And then he even tries to say that, like, oh, no, I can't drive a snowmobile. I've never done such a thing. And she goes, "Uh, the kids do it in Vermont all the time.
0: Yeah, they're like, they're 10 years old and you've made some comments about them. Oh, well, I guess I could do it. He's I like-
1: wonder how well it's maintained. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's up here in the winters. Who knows? what and she's like no there's like probably spark plugs in where they keep that because why would they keep it in two different places oh yeah you're so right and then you know we've got gasoline both of our vehicles all gassed up
0: well we can siphon it from this and this yeah that's you could do that yep no problem with that there
1: must be a gas can you could carry extra
0: He's like, yeah, there probably is. And then he thinks in his mind, yeah, I know for a fact that there's like three or four and he knows the yep. exact uh, volumes they can carry, too. I really also liked was just the, uh, the hotel slowly manipulating Jack, first tricking him into breaking the CB. Um, then at one point where he's he's having drinks and he feels somewhat drunk until he snaps out of it. And Mm -hmm. he realizes he's not drunk, doesn't smell it. It just messes with his head so much that I liked it in the sense that it made sense for him to become the villain or like the antagonist. Like you knew he was going to be it for quite a while, but it didn't just seem sudden. I liked the build to it.
1: And then there's the whole thing after that, trying to rationalize Danny being hurt a guy's just a little boy like that kind of stuff happens scrapes and cuts and whatnot and she's like yeah but he like falls and like i think he's having a convulsion which like a seizure oh yeah just tries to like say that him being hurt being like on his neck especially like he he tries to play off
0: the it's very obvious to us the reader uh and not as much to Wendy, that he's definitely playing it off or trying to tone, play it off as something less of an issue than it really is.
1: Oh, and then he tries to call it, like, maybe it's stigmata.
0: Oh, my God. That was Like, the
1: wounds of Christ. I'm sorry. What?
0: Again, that's just, it seems... Yeah, he tries every reason in the book to try and explain logically... And I get that we all try to the logic is is naturally the fallback uh, what we go to, but we it it seems very much and I think that was the intent that it, it was feigned on Jack's part everything he's trying to provide reasons just to kind of get her to shut up, in my opinion.
1: And then as soon as he compared the snowmobile to the wasps, like oh, the, color yeah. the racing stripe, I was like, nope, it's already over. Either they don't get on it at all or he's crashing it into a tree. Like there's something bad is going to happen.
0: My prediction was that he specifically dropped the plugs in and he didn't check like the gap. And he's like, oh, you know, whatever. If they don't work, well, tough titties. And it, he definitely seems like he he was very upset when he realized he found the battery because, <laughs> yeah. oh, no battery, dang. And he's thinking of all the reasons how this is technically great. And then he sees the box he's like,
1: God, there's
0: <laughs> any, and it works when he is about to leave and he sees Danny. I think he's making a snowman and he, it's not going well. And he has that, that moment where he stops and realizes like, oh my God, what was I doing? My first, and he hooks up the battery and tests it and it's like, good. My first thought was, oh, what if he told he totally forgot about the plugs? He's going to think it's good, and then that's going to be what-, what messes up. It ended up not being that. It ended up being more uh, the house influence, or the hotel. God dang it, the house. <laughs> it ended up being the Overlook influencing him when he tosses the part out. Was Grady lurking somewhere in the West Wing with his axe, just waiting for Danny to start him up so he could come back?
1: Is Grady waiting to get Danny or is Jack projecting what he wants to do on this, like, bad guy? So he can, like, oh, it would be him, it wouldn't be me. That would do something bad. Like when he uh, name-dropped Shirley Jackson.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it mentions Hill House.
1: Whatever walks in Hill House. Walks
0: alone. <laughs> oh, man, it was so on that. I was like,
1: I get it. I get that reference. When he wakes up and he's standing in front of 217 jack is and he's thinking have I been walking in my sleep again
0: oh the second time okay when he said he was yeah. again I thought well I don't know what chapter that is that um, it
1: is oh wait the wait, bedroom it,
0: okay so 32
1: what a wild time that was
0: like seeing George in the tub and yeah George being like you stabbed me man you tried to run me over on your on my bike and all this other the worst
1: of all you turn the clock yep (laughs) you gave me less time and i don't stutter
0: that whole dream sequence was kind of trippy it switches to him in the base jack is in the basement and he's looking around saying i'll find it which was mirroring his play that he had written in which the Mm -hmm. student is looking for the something and then he ends up seeing like the timer and the dynamite and the dynamite becomes his father's cane and his cane becomes the rope mallet. And then he's just mashing at George and George becomes Danny. It's a hoot and a holler. And then he wakes up sweating naked, standing over Danny's bed. Yep. That's, that's how that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ooh. I think he's naked
0: because he just boned his wife. That was like after he totes seduced it.
1: I wasn't the, ooh, he's naked. It's the the waking up,
0: standing over his bed. He's
1: above his kid's bed. Mm -hmm. And after he was just... You take me your about. medicine, you little pup, mm-hmm. and just like I could see him, just like straight up grabbing Danny by the neck and just ending it. Which, like later on, he thinks about doing to Wendy at some point.
0: And at one point, he does try to strangle Wendy. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the hedges. The hedges get to Chapter them. thirty-four. Yes, the hedges. But,
1: but it's not just the hedges.
0: Oh, you are talking about the? Uh...
1: Save me, or come and play with me forever. Yeah, One or the other.
0: It's later explained that that was like a girl who forgot to take her medication that day and died in there. So this was actually one of the chapters that I enjoyed the most. Chapter 34. And I think it didn't. And I would say it takes a lot for me to get scared. I wasn't really scared, but I definitely felt like on some level for me, being scared when reading a book is like how much I'm empathizing with the the character and feeling like terror for them, thinking like, "Oh yeah. shit, it's gonna get him." This was one of the uh, the scenes that I thought was scariest for me. The hedges first. He he's going in the snow. He cl- opens that tunnel, climbs or like crawls in the darkness, and then he starts to crawl out. And he hears something behind him. And it's rustling in the darkness. And as he's about to escape the tunnel, the snow falls in. And he has to dig his way out. And then the fucking topiary animals. I don't know. What what did you think about that? Because I feel like we, we talked about the topiary animals last. I
1: liked this more. I think it gets to me more because Danny fully believes in everything. And I think he's more susceptible to what's going on. At least more than Jack was at that time when mm-hmm. he encounters the topiaries. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was good. I think this whole part, it's not necessarily that it, I was scared from Mm -hmm. reading it, but I was like, like adrenaline. I was like, I need to keep reading. This is so exciting. That's part of What's going to happen next? But
0: yeah, for me, it was just like, I could put myself in Danny's shoes because after Mm -hmm. he escapes and we, or he escapes the tunnel, he gets Mm -hmm. out of that tunnel. He'd barely made it out. You know, he thinks before it grabbed his leg and then he sees in the shadow. It was like a hand and just in the shadow kind of begging him over. And then he's like, all right. So he sits for a few minutes, adjusting himself, not taking his eyes off that. And then he hears the sound of the snow. It's like, mm-hmm. And he turns around and the dog is exposed, but in a different position. And then something and then it's the lion. and then it's moving. And it's only when he doesn't look away, but it's closing in on him. I don't know. I it did it for me. I um yeah
1: because
0: it, it was it was all the lions, right? I believe they were like hunting him or mm-hmm. closing in on him, and the dog moves to like close his uh covers retreat so he can't even go back to the playground. I mean, obviously this chapter is called the hedges, but I knew it was gonna be bad because dang going down it was this uh a ramp downward and it wasn't that bad. My first thought was that means you have to go uphill on the way back. Mm-hmm. That means if something's chasing you. It's going to be worse. So I was already (laughs) bracing myself when he does in this chapter, like he gets stalked by it. And one of them rips through his clothes or like his leggings, and it only barely scratches his leg. I thought it would be worse. And I think it was that fear of what would it do when it got him. That kind of fueled some of that or fear because I don't know it, it looks like a lion up, you know they wanted to pounce him it does eventually get his leg but that was the first time I think I took the topiary seriously and originally before it was like yeah. okay they were closing but now I, I thought it was kind of they couldn't move beyond their certain zone and then now it turns yeah. out they can move all the way up to the overlook like they, they go where they want to go
1: they're not a living being. They're just like, they're a plants. Mm-hmm. But I think it's cool that like can make these things come to life. It made me rethink everything with the fire extinguisher.
0: <laughs> Which honestly didn't end up being anything. I thought the fire extinguisher was going to be a thing later. I thought it
1: was a drop, but maybe it was just it w- like fire eventually.
0: <laughs> maybe, but it even, there's one part later where it mentions... Danny runs past the thing and notices that it was on the wrong side of the wall when he had just come in. And I was like, oh, man, it's setting it up again. No, fire extinguishers. It was a red herring. And maybe it's because of memories of the movie from years ago. But I don't really remember Wendy knowing as much about the house. And it's like creepiness. And in this one, she's fully she knows what's up. She knows mm-hmm. the overlook and Danny like straight up spills in that. In the next chapter of the lobby, he tells them both like, yo, I was out there. There was something in the tunnel, but that wasn't the real bad thing. The topiary, mm-hmm. the animals, they freaking came at me. Look at Claude me. And yeah, then Jack's interrogating him, trying to tear it down because, you know, again, now it's the overlook mm-hmm. speaking through him. And then Danny read his mind when after he's, he's telling him now that couldn't be real. And Dan Danny catches the glimpse, but you saw it too. You, you know, I'm not lying. And then Jack slaps him.
1: The next chapter, the elevator. We don't get a gush of blood, but we do get balloons and streamers. Confetti. Yay. And I think it kind of lends to what we learn later about the hotel. Yeah. I don't want to say it yet. This is like what we were talking about with the parentheses and like what is being said there
0: the loud thoughts almost yeah
1: my page 440 but it's like what masks and then it's like good night good night yes it was lovely no i really can't stay for the unmasking early to bed early to rise and it's like all these other conversations from different points of the hotel's history and like this party that's happening and then jack really likes his job now
0: Oh, yeah, it's my, it's my job, My job, Wendy. Yeah, the elevator's acting up in the middle of the night. They're hearing weird voices and stuff. And he's like, yep, I, I should take care of this. And I think, is this the part where she's literally like, fuck your job?
1: Yeah, she's not here for it.
0: He opened his mouth, not sure what he's going to come out. Wendy, it's my job. She said clearly. Fuck your, job. fuck your job exactly <laughs> like i don't love it.
1: care he's like oh it's just a short circuit you know he here he is with his like excuses he knows he knows to say things that sound believable and she's not having it and climbs up into this elevator and
0: it's like half between floors it's not fully flush with the ground
1: yeah she's boosting herself up into it what about this jack is this a short circuit And she threw something, and suddenly the hall was full of drifting confetti, red and white and blue and yellow. Is this? And it's a streamer, and then there's... uh, But it's faded to a pale pastel color with age. It tells us right there on the page. And this, and she tossed out... um,
0: The cat's eye mask, yep.
1: And it's dusted with sequins.
0: Does that look like a short circuit to you, Jack? (laughs) So <laughs> she says to him, because <laughs> you kept saying so it's a good. short circuit. Yeah. She tosses the mask at him. And that's, again, what something that I was very surprised in, about was they're all seeing it like, and I know they see it in the it's tangible in the, now. Yes. And all of them as a group, it's not just, I saw it. No one's going to believe me. They all saw it together.
1: I know it's not the same, but whenever it said like the red death, I was just like, where's my waterfall of blood? <laughs>
0: And yeah, that was all about The Mask of the Red Death, right, mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe, which is mentioned. I forgot what there's a technical term for it, uh, but it takes place before the beginning of the novel. In mine, at least, they mm-hmm. have the poem printed, and you can read it before even part one in mine. And the red death held sway over all.
1: It'll shine when it shines. I Like I said, I know that's not what it is, but I just wanted it.
0: <laughs> ballroom ballroom a weird clock
1: he was the key yeah Danny thought sadly Tony had warned him and he had just let things go on. I'm just five Does't it make any difference that I'm just five but no one cares
0: So while we're talking about that clock very briefly mm-hmm. I was very confused or' not confused <laughs> but it was a little bit jarring to me when Danny pushes the clock forward the hands forward, so the figures pop out on the rail. They end up 69ing like that so they just like go down on each other because I remember in his word, it's like they're kissing peepees. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck is this sh-? Like no offense. I was later it shows something different to Jack when he's there. And that's why I was like, what? I don't know. It may be something completely random or just the overlook being sick or playing off of the vibes of what happened in those Yeah. Well rooms. remember
1: there's a couple things. Earlier when there's the like the chanting. About the masks, and you you can kind of tell that Wendy hears it. Doesn't it say something like "let's fuck"?
0: One of those things. It's like unmask and let's
1: fuck. And I, I think it's before this, right?
0: I'm not sure exactly where that line is. It doesn't but,
1: matter. But it that happens like that yes. is said. I think Stephen King likes to use dirty stuff to make things unsettling. Also, I can see the that. way that he describes things, maybe it's just like a man writing about sexy stuff. I don't know. But like when he was... Do, like the stuff with Wendy, like when he was trying to like to check seducing
0: her and grabbing like, her breast and it didn't feel her top and like, stuff.
1: I get that it's male lens here. Mm-hmm. I also get like the point of doing that in that moment, but it's not like it was at all really sensual. But <laughs> there's just something about men writing about boobs like her nipples were erect. <laughs> and just like it's always talking about how hard a woman's nipples are in a story and then you know what that's when i close the book and it's over for me Ugh, i don't know but anyway there's also the part when he goes into 217 sees george in the tub and like yeah. his his dick is like a limp like a piece of kelp in the water yeah i
0: remember that standing and, out a little bit to me too uh-huh. thought, and then later okay.
1: on there's the dog man oh and yeah dog man is like i'm gonna gobble you up you're a little so cock starting first.
0: with your little cock yeah i, I put them Ugh. like i was like <laughs> I, okay it, i mean it it is unsettling but had to have him say that to danny later yeah the ghost of the dog man
1: did we then, need that yeah Was that is that uh, what you think is david is that what you think would be scariest to be told by a dog man not I, just the fact I don't dog know, man i think it's fine
0: that could be pretty fucking unsettling i remember things, Not just i'm gonna eat you yeah no i think i'm gonna starting with that probably would like make my stomach like twist it reminds me of i don't know if it's look who's talking there's one of the or maybe the sequel there's one where the uh, one of the kids is like looking at the toilet and it mentions specifically like it's gonna like bite off his pee pee and I, I remember that, like, sticking it, the kid's afraid of the toilet, and it, like, talks because it's, that, you know. That's
1: probably in the second one. And it,
0: okay, then maybe it is. All I remember is that scene fucking stuck with, stuck with me for longer than it should have as, like, a <laughs> moment. Even, I was never afraid of toilets, but it's something that just kind of.
1: You're like, you know what, maybe they're on to something.
0: <laughs> it, like, it took it to an extra level where it was just, like, it, it, it was no longer a forgettable line. I was just, like, man, you're you're going Straight for okay like man We're we're going there I don't know man Maybe it's something very emasculating To men obviously but like it stuck out maybe, to me uh,
1: because it is such a an appendage, like just hang in yeah. there. Maybe it seems more realistic that something could just like snatch it away.
0: I mean, obviously, in both <laughs> cases, it was said to someone that was like under the age of six. <laughs> Isn't that-
1: yeah, I think the, the weirdest one was that like, I'm not going to take anything a dog man says seriously. Like
0: <laughs> except when he's barking on all well, fours with red eyes.
1: No, thank you. But I just mean. <laughs> Anything he says, it's like weird, off-putting. You know what makes sense coming from you, You're like it's, dude it's believable. Yeah. You, you've earned it. But describing George that way in the bathtub, I'm like, why are you even noticing it? And then it made me like nervous that he was like, like a creep, creep, with the kids at the school.
0: You mean he's uh, he's DC instead of AC? So this is, this no, is, no, I know. That I,
1: I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I was I know not what aware of is. I
0: was not aware of that. No, it being, you know, slang? how, I know? No.
1: I'm like 98% sure this is where it's from, but I used to watch on VH1 when I was in middle school, heavy, the story of metal. And it was mm-hmm. a four part series. Part four was my favorite. Cause it talked about new metal, but it would go through the history of like all the different eras, like glam metal and stuff. And they did talk about ACDC and they're not from America. So they had already had mm-hmm. that name when they came here. And so When they were like, "Yeah, we're ACDC," and they're like, "Uh, it was slang from
0: like the '60s or '70s," (laughs) which is like that era. That's like Stephen King's, but it 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 gets brought up in here where someone meant, and I don't know about this, but it comes. Someone first mentions it. It was like one of the Dewalt's, like in that party, mentioning that they're DC, and I had to look at. I I was Mm -hmm. able to infer, yeah, but I looked it up to be sure. Funny though, yeah, and learning like oh it the. Slaying AC alternating current, meaning you're straight, uh, DC direct current, current meaning you're gay, and AC DC implying that you're bisexual. I was just like, Oh, I get it. It was just very that's one of the things that dated it for me a bit, yeah. And it not took me out because it made sense in the sense of the world when I was like, Oh, okay, also
1: like adults, probably on like the down low. If they were like, yeah,
0: I get not that. straight. and he, he used the thing is Stephen King used the phrase a DC or not mm-hmm. AC in his preface to the haunting of Hill House when describing Theo. He says Mm. that it's implied that she's not entirely AC. That was my first clue. But seeing it used in here, in the dialogue of some characters from the... I guess actually they might have been from the 60s if it was the DeWaltz. They were supposed to be the 60s. So that would make sense.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I just think like an adult doesn't look at a kid and see that.
0: Oh, yeah. And I feel like there are moments in as I was reading this novel, when it's not like the, the, the POV is this third person, it's close, but sometimes it mentions things explicitly that the character we're following doesn't know. It'd be like, mm-hmm. well, Wendy didn't know that across the building, Bob, yeah. so and so was happening. So it's almost as though there's an outside authority, the narrator, that's kind of giving us some of what they see and and then also telling us what isn't happening. So part of me wants to say that it's the narrator's voice giving us the imagery, but it did actually, it did stick out to me because once you mentioned it, I did see like, yeah, it was like his penis was, you know, floating there like a limp, like a piece of kelp. I was like, "Uh, thanks. I mean, I, 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 it, I didn't necessarily need that information, Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know what to make of that. And, you know, you got to you got to think also of uh, it and Mm -hmm. how there there's there's stuff in that one that's very explicit and
0: there's sexual content in many of Stephen King's novels, even in,
1: just when it's children, is what I'm yeah. getting at.
0: I mentioned that one of my introductions, one of my first big uh, forays into like the world of Stephen King was the Dark Tower series. One of them, Wizard and Glass, the fourth novel in the seven novel series is a prequel or it, it's Roland, the main protagonist, telling a story when he was younger. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's like a teenager, and I'm pretty sure it gets into his. Like, I mean, I'm not pretty sure. I know.
1: Masturbating for the first no, time? No,
0: it's like an, a, a girl that he's interested in the town. It's sort of a tragedy, but I'm pretty sure they have their sexual encounter with each other. I'm fairly certain it's in this sort of not gratuitous but you still get detailed sort of way, kind of like in this Shining where they mention, mm-hmm. you know, the seed down is like, And he's supposed to be again in his teenage years. I don't know if, the, if it's something about puberty or I'm not sure. It do, It does seem to pop up in...
1: Puberty, I mean, it's a highly charged time in a person's life, especially with like weirder descriptions of those sorts of things coming from the perspective of a younger person makes yeah. sense because they don't necessarily might not be ready for those situations first fully totally
0: understand or comprehend the weight of everything and involved.
1: don't have the toolbox to talk about those sorts of things
0: to surmise stephen king is a horny dude as you yep. said last
1: time <laughs> yep he is there's no there's no doubt about it i mean come on
0: that's this is something that i've No, that sounds bad. I was going to say this is something I've thought a lot about. No, I uh, (laughs) um,
1: like when you have to think about it
0: or or it's something I've thought about in my own writing when it's like, how much is too much? How much can you leave unsaid? Mm -hmm. What becomes the point of which is why normally I err on the side of caution and I would Mm -hmm. go to less rather than too much but I don't know if that speaks to an experience in the writing or if it's just my sensibilities thinking about someone's going to read this. I don't know.
1: I will avoid it at all costs.
0: Yeah. And that that (laughs) might just be like a person and that might be, it is a personal choice in the writing, but it's also like, man, I don't know how I'd feel putting that out there. Kind of like that different sensibilities perhaps. And that's, It's never Mm -hmm. something where it detracts me from a Stephen King novel where I'm like, oh, I can't read that. It's something I'm like, oh, that didn't I didn't quite see that coming. That's a detail Mm -hmm. that could happen in the story. And then it's usually moved on. And I get Mm -hmm. sex is a natural thing. We're humans. It's just sometimes it's a little jarring when it happens in these novels in particular.
1: Well, and you're thinking of like the story at hand Mm -hmm. and when the stuff is coming up. And I mean, I guess you got to do something to take your mind off of it. And many horror movies start with people.
0: I think horror (laughs) movies is different because (laughs) I know I just
1: that I is just because it is a visual medium.
0: <laughs> and that's just, that's something the core audience, especially from a certain era, 80s, 90s. That's um, exactly what
1: I picture in my head. It's the opening up, on like a car parked at a lake. A girl the car windows her are top. fogged up.
0: <laughs> they get a nice gratuitous shot of her chest. And, and then, then she's like, I'm going <laughs> to go swimming. And then she takes off her bottom and she goes for a skinny dip. And nothing bad can happen to me out here. Hey, boyfriend or guy, I'm seeing, where'd you go? Spoiler alert, he's
1: dead. Anyway,
0: (laughs) and you're going to be in like two minutes of screen time.
1: Yep. All of a sudden, there's something bobbing in the water. It's his head. (laughs)
0: I don't know if it's a trope or a cliche by now. Yes. But yeah, that is definitely (laughs) that era of horror movie. Yeah. Gratuitous.
1: Everyone knows it. It's been clowned on for years. Oh, yeah. That sort of thing. (laughs) Thankfully, I think Um, that's
0: sort of been established.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just think... It's interesting. And I think it's maybe jarring for us as an audience to be like, wait a second, how are you in the mindset? Like, I know what's going on in that hotel. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, gonna bang. And like, I get it. There's not a TV. He broke the CV radio. There's not a lot going on, not a lot of options, but still, (laughs) it throws me off. But yeah, something that I'm sure we will get to at another point when discussing another novel, probably one written by Stephen King uh is this the first time that red rum is murder right right at the end of part four yes
0: yes in the ballroom red rum equals murder he finally sees
1: it blotted everything and he fell forward beginning to fall falling he was and then there's a line a break and then a paragraph off the chair so i think he must have must have fainted or something
0: i remember that line specifically because usually when there's a sudden line break There's usually some sort of intrusive thought. There's some sort of or loud thought interruption. And that was one of the few points where it was just quiet blanked. And I think that was the point because Mm -hmm. it it subverted the expectation. All right. So uh, first, a little bit of corrections on my part. When I first introduced the episode, I said we'd be talking about parts four through nine um, I must be tripping balls because technically The Shining only has five parts. So really, we're going over parts power. <laughs> really, we're going <laughs> over parts four and five. Uh, we kind of just discussed most of part four. and Now we're going to dive into part five, the final ultimate part. And we'd start with our boy. Dick Halloran.
1: In the matters of life and death.
0: It really is.
1: Dick is the kind of guy that like I could meet at a restaurant or like at a bar, just like he'd be sitting next to me or something and he'd start chatting and I would start chatting because I'm me. And I think we would have the most entertaining conversation because I think he would just talk my ear off and tell me all great stories.
0: Yeah, because he can feel where you're going. He's like, I got this. That's true. You ain't got the shine, but he can get enough off of the top <laughs> surface. I know where she's going with this.
1: He's so pleasant. I love him.
0: Very personable with everyone he meets. I forgot what I was going to say. Goddamn!
1: There we are under the heat of Florida. Swampland. I don't know. I'm trying to set the scene for you, my guy.
0: All right. Fair enough. Oh, uh, <laughs> but so in, in the first chapter, we get uh, part five matters of life and death. This is one of the. The first chapter is really getting Dick's point of view. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. Like full time.
0: One of the things that I personally really enjoyed about this was that we get, because it's from his point of view and we see more things we get to see from his point of view or things that had happened in the Overlook, Dolores to shine We get more information, Dolores being the maid.
1: Just a twinkle.
0: Yeah, but he gives us all the ways that even just a twinkle made it so that you know she could slack mm-hmm. off but whenever the manager was coming around she was always hard at work You I know, mean, she just it seemed to be like great timing or good luck but really it was the shine um we talked about uh that some of the guests had left early from certain rooms some kids didn't want to go near the playground And he saw, like, maybe three, two or three times that it looked like the hedge animals were stalking the kids on the edge of the playground. And again, so it was nice to realize that these were all things that, like, we have seen now uh, in more detail but things that mm-hmm. he, even he, when the ho- or the hotel was not at its full strength, was still capable of doing. And this is where we also learned that the girl had died in the concrete rings. He explained the lack of medication, or that she forgot to take her medication that day, which totally explains the earlier scene of Danny, the girl in there. So I, I, I really liked, technically it could have been like an info dump, but it didn't feel that way to me.
1: He's good at it, man. King is good at giving us backstory.
0: Yeah, and filling it in via, like, it just people's Actual, experiences. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it's relevant information at the time. And because it, it is relevant information.
1: Oh, man, I was so nervous in this part, though, where he's trying to get there. <laughs> I, I love, though, uh, would that be cash or credit card? Cash, baby, cash. I got to fly. <laughs> he tries to get there and he almost made it. Gets mm-hmm. pulled over by a cop. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Yep. Luckily, the cop wasn't really a dick.
0: He was a little bit of a dick. like Just a little he bit. He,
1: but he thought he was funny. Like, he comes out with a fucking monologue. I
0: guess it does say comfortingly.
1: I, I think don't know. He's out here making dad jokes before he writes a ticket.
0: I don't know if it's really dad jokes.
1: It's he's definitely being a jerk about it, yeah.
0: I mean, oh, the only part of the story I can never figure out till the end is the driver's license number of the offending motorists. So be a nice guy, let me peek. Like, he's like, I heard every sob story in the book, so yeah, it didn't, it wasn't like he was an ass, but there's just like a hint of that condescension, yeah. And listen, I've been here, and and I'm not. And then the whole part at the end, I think that's very good Uh, when Halloran's like, fuck it. I'm just going to give him my info. He's like here. And the cop goes Mm -hmm. one up ahead and he says, look, that's very good. That's so good. You win a present. What? Halloran asked. Hopefully when I finish writing down these numbers, I'm going to let you blow up a little balloon for me. Oh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Halloran moaned. I think he's giving him a breathalyzer test. Yeah, that's um, yeah, when I that was, was like mad. Yeah, that's when I was like, all right. But also, dude.
1: how fast was he going?
0: Um, It might mention it. He was 80. Cr- oh, he said he was the limo was cranked up to 80.
1: Also a limo speeding like crazy. Is that crazy? I don't know. I don't drive.
0: Well, depends. Illinois is 55 on a lot of. And then so well no in the city it's like fifty five outside of that it's like sixty five but mm-hmm. if he's in a city airport Wait,
1: if you're going mm. with traffic
0: oh but I don't know if he was rolling with traffic he, he was just, <laughs> I don't know the if there was any mens- traffic the cop mentions that he loves the stretch of motorway so I think he catches people speeding to the airport all the freaking time
1: that's why he's got his bit he's like
0: he know he's heard it all yeah. before that's why yeah when Haller and Moon officer my flight shh the traffic cop said don't be naughty it's like (laughs) god dang i get it i hate it yeah it's one of those but
1: like that was the best case scenario for mm -hmm. anything happening oh yeah but yeah it stressed me out so much i was like just write stop fucking talking write the damn ticket he's got places to be okay it's so funny when wendy's just thinking thoughts in the next chapter but just Not really thinking them, just really talking to Danny. She starts out saying like, oh, we're wrecking this boy. It's not just Jack. Oh, It's me too. It's not even just us. Jack's father, my mother, are they here too? Sure, why not? This place is lousy with ghosts anyway. So why not a couple more? There's 999, but there's always room for one more. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord in heaven. He's like one of those suitcases they show on TV, run over, drop from a plane, going through factory crushers or a timex watch takes a licking and keeps on ticking oh danny i'm so sorry and then he says it doesn't matter and so it's like he can hear you and she knows that he can hear her
0: she gets in those moments where she thinks about it and then realizes that oh wait exactly totally freaking read my mind because i I don't know if it's at this part or later there is a part where she literally thinks he's reading our minds right now and it might have been earlier but she literally thinks that like He's reading our minds. He knows exactly what's Mm -hmm. going on.
1: Well, then there's that part about Tony and saying how like he can't get to me. He's trying and I'm trying, but like the hotel won't let us. And I'm like, okay, so Tony's definitely a good guy. Like it's on the right side of things because in the beginning, you don't really know what's going on. Yeah,
0: I thought it was a good guy. And then he said he was showing me more horrible, horrible things. Yeah, so I I got
1: nervous. (laughs) And then here we get to that part that I was talking about earlier the unmask and let's fuck leading up to that we have bits that are in parentheses oh yes you'll like it here try it you'll like it try it you'll like it and then other things like why is there even like a writing desk and then we get to that finally it's not in parentheses anymore and that's when wendy hears it but then it kind of goes back and then danny's thinking is what we get in the parentheses and i hate it because this is what kind of like makes me ugh, is that he wants to be one of them and live forever that's what he wants and then wendy says if they die she'd rather they die in the mountains i mean i guess
0: yeah that's my thing i was like sure this is still gonna suck either way Eh.
1: I think maybe she thinks that there's a chance if they leave.
0: Oh, yeah. By this point, she's recognized what the Overlook is doing. She she knows it wants Danny.
1: Do you think that she thinks, well, if we die in here, we're going to be here like ghosties forever. Or if we die out there, then we won't be burdened with that sort of thing.
0: I don't think she's actually thought that part. I feel like hers is more on the immediate sense of let's just try and avoid getting killed entirely, as opposed to what happens if I die in the Overlook. But yeah, so I think she knows that it, the Overlook getting what it wants means that Danny has to die inside. So her thought is more about Danny and less about herself, I would think. In the next chapter, forty, which is titled "In the Basement," there's just uh, there's one part that I really enjoy for a moment jack has uh one might say a premonition or a brief a moment where he imagines what would happen if the boiler explodes mm-hmm. it's because he had actually forgotten he'd kind of zoned out again and the the furnace had been kicking on and by the time he he looks at it it's at 210 psi it was rated for 250 uh, but the, the caretaker told him he would be afraid around this one uh, at around 180 because it was so old and falling apart. So this thing's 30 PSI high. And there's a moment where he Jack visualizes the explosion mm-hmm. and it goes on for a long an extended paragraph a double thunderclap that would first rip the heart from this place, then the soul. The boiler would go with an orange, violent flash that would rain hot and burning shrapnel all over the cellar. And he mentions like trinkets of metal careening from floor to walls. Uh, it's, it destroyed the secrets, burned the clue, the gas explosion, a great rumbling crackle of flame, a giant pilot light that would turn the whole center of the hotel into a broiler. And it goes. On talking about like the, the wallpaper charring and burning, and I, I just thought it was a very uh, intense image and that I thought was very detailed, uh, but it, it almost pales in comparison, or it does pale in comparison, in my opinion, to what comes in uh, one of the final chapters. Definitely, um, but again, I was still surprised pleasantly by the level of detail and just that quick thought in his head
1: you know who that reminds me of who eleanor
0: <sighs> all journeys end in lovers meeting
1: <laughs> no i just mean oh, the like the, of the possible futures mm-hmm. that's also no, that happens that. in the last chapter too about like 100 pages ago well for me it's 100 pages when it's that super long paragraph it's like for me, it's almost two pages. He's like talking like, Al, Al, there's ghosts up there. They have it in for my boy. And then it's all these different thoughts. And he's like, oh, could get a new fuel pump and like, we'll make it and we'll get out of it's here. It's not a one. Yep. The man with his sterling record of alcoholism, student beating and ghost chasing would undoubtedly be able to write his own ticket. And then he's like, yeah, I could get all these different jobs or do this and he has this idea that he can leave and get out and then immediately it's shot down with kill her and it's like okay never mind Yep, that's
0: the the hotel's like hey i got an idea let me just slip this in here
1: i see your offer but here's my counter offer and then slides over the piece of paper
0: i think it was in the, on the stairs chapter or maybe it was even in the basement but there's one oh, i was on the stairs because Danny's playing with like a ball and he starts singing, Lou, skip to my Lou, skip mm. to my Lou, my darling. And he realizes that it's not his own thought, that it seems like it's his thought and very convincing, but it wasn't his thought, like an imitation mm-hmm. slipping in there. And the, the house or the hotel is kind of creeping into their thoughts and pretending, muddling them up.
1: And then Danny's creeping thoughts. Or creeping into other people's thoughts. And he gets yelled at by the house, I assume, when it yells, like, get out of his mind, you little shit.
0: That part was awesome.
1: Oh, I thought it was so good. Mm-hmm. Because we get, like, a decent chunk of what his dad is thinking. Yeah.
0: In parentheses, italics, mm-hmm. so we know he's picking up a thought. And it mentions specifically that he's trying to see what his dad's up to thinking Mm -hmm. about the the bad thing Mm -hmm. one of those clues i don't know if that's the first time we get a direct thought but a very obvious not mocking thought from the hotel where it's saying Mm -hmm. something directly to them we get more of that what we talked about dick um going up the mountain and and screaming at him using the n-word and wishing Mm -hmm. all these things and that's very much like that But this is one of those times when it spoke directly to him
1: And I think it's that we know it's not someone else's thoughts when you get the other one saying like, you're going to take your medicine or whatever the phrase is over and over again. It's not really directed at anybody. It's just randomly put in there a lot.
0: And then, I mean, we find out that's what the father used to say or what he did say.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder, I wonder if that's just like leftovers from him or it's actually him like it's just in Jack's head because he's heard it so many times. And it's like.
0: Scarred. I think it's a little bit. Of, I think it's, it's both there. Essentially. Yeah. He heard that, you know, take your medicine. And that like, he usually says it when he goes into one of his blind rages, when his temper yeah. flares. So he remembers his father saying that, and it's something that just triggers and comes out.
1: So chapter 43 drinks on the house another very good chapter honestly as we get to like down to the wire i feel like there's no real wasted space um yeah.
0: and some of the chapters it felt like they were coming quicker and i don't know mm-hmm. if that was i mean it, it definitely seems some of these there's one of these chapters it's like two pages one's like four pages there's obviously longer ones but I, I kind of felt I realized we were in the home stretch we're in the third act our uh, rapidly it's
1: coming at us
0: the chapters were being quicker because things were happening quicker and even mm-hmm. just this entire last section takes place within a day cuz when Danny first gets knows things are going bad it's december 1st and he sees red room and he knows it's going to happen on the second so like a lot of this is going quick 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 quick
1: i really like the the description for the hotel and how looking at it is kind of like 3d but without the glasses on where you see like images at a couple images at once and then when you put the glasses on it makes one full thing and that's what the hotel is all of the different eras are existing at the same time and so what it says in the book is all of the hotel eras were together now all but the current one the torrance era mm-hmm. and this would be and this would be together with the rest very soon that was good that was very good Ooh, i got chills
0: <laughs> this is one of those times because envy might be the word I'd use because as I read it I thought man if I was trying to describe the same thing how would I do that and I just felt that his descriptions were on point like even that metaphor or wait simile if it's using like uh the 3D glasses I was like oh man because I could see that in my mind so clearly
1: how it all comes together
0: yeah and I was like man that's such a great comparison So there's a lot of that when I was reading this was, wow, I really like how that's described. Would I be able to pull this off? Um, The answer is probably a no, but maybe I'd try something different.
1: (laughs) The kid can dream.
0: This is the time when he really, Jack gets drunk. Now, Wendy later smells the gin Mm -hmm. and he's drinking the martinis and stuff. Not to say I told you so, but I was totally calling this. And part of that's probably, not probably, part of that is because I know uh, from the film version, there's a scene with him talking to the bartender, um, you know, drinking. So I figured he's got to drink at some point. But it was just a very satisfying for me to say like, ha here it is. He starts drowning these martinis. And even though they're probably not there, Wendy Lager smells it, reeks of it. And knowing that the hotel did make him kind of drunk and then also yeah. this is one of the times when we hear more about the manager the manager being the hotel because jack wants a drink and lloyd is actually talking to him in dialogue um, but in this scene drinks on the house lloyd actually has dialogue he talks back you no charge to you mr torrance your money's no good here orders <laughs> from the manager And then Jack's like the manager. And then this is, of course, the manager. Later, he expects to see to your son's well-being himself. He's very interested in your son. Danny is a talented boy.
1: And this is where Jack gets jealous. Mm -hmm. He gets so mad that he's not the focus of the hotel. He gets so mad because he's like, I want them gone. I want, you want me. I'm the one that's getting rid of the CB radio. I'm getting rid of the snowmobile as a way out. I'm doing all of these things for you and you don't even want me.
0: And he tries to play it off.
1: Yeah, he really does.
0: And then he's like, what do you want with my son? Danny's not in this, is he? This isn't a matter that concerns you, not at this point. (laughs) But yeah most of that conversation was actually happened, I believe, before he started a drink or as he was talking about it, and he initially seems almost hesitant until the remaining ghosts use some body language like one all, I think I believe everyone turns to look at him.
1: yep, it's silent
0: that one of the gangster looking fellows pulls out a small handgun from his pocket and starts spinning it on the bar. Like a man with Russian roulette in his mind. Mm-hmm. It's not until he drinks that the man puts the gun away. Again the the hotel, its influence pretty stark.
1: I just love how this looks in my head. Not gonna lie. I don't see the shining anymore like the film. I don't see the shining. I don't I don't even see Jack Nicholson anymore.
0: I still see Jack Nicholson. Wendy has changed for me.
1: Yeah, it's because he says blonde too much.
0: He does say the blonde <laughs> hair enough or like the color straw enough things. that I'm like, yeah, I was like, OK, I can't see the actress entirely. Plus, the characters do diverge. It seems more like this Wendy becomes a bit more assertive and less like I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's definitely scared to death, but she kind of realizes all right, I got to do some stuff. So I think I still see some Jack Nicholson, but I'm also seeing a warmer side of Jack Nicholson and then the full crazy Jack
1: Nicholson. <laughs> but like right here, I, I don't see it anymore. And then I don't see like the overlook. I see the Hollywood Tower Hotel, which if you're familiar, mm. is the, the uh, Tower of Terror ride at Disney World. I just, I think of that and I think of the movie that came after the ride. Uh, oh, with Steve Gutenberg I remember that. and Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. And how they go to the hotel. Honestly, fun movie. It's a little bonkers, but it's good. But how they are stuck in time, like the hotel is still there. It this kind of reminds me of that. Like or
0: maybe perhaps that was inspired. Heavily. I know, <laughs> but
1: I saw that first.
0: I get I get that entirely.
1: I kind of picture that like old hollywood but i can see like the different eras of people like the different dress which Mm. is an easy indicator of eras it's so cool i just love thinking that all of these people are here uh, for different reasons from different decades but they're all existing in the same space it's so much
0: i still see the overlook hotel from the movie on the outside i actually don't see it the same way on the inside except for perhaps the lobby but the carpet in the film version is so iconic that you can or I can recognize the pattern of that carpet and in the novel it's different it's like a jungle theme Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like dark and leaves and things like that so and it got mentioned enough when Danny's running through the halls that that became the version I had to see because it was such a stark dish difference from that brown and yellow orangeish pattern and mm-hmm. conversations at the party we talking about that one is this where we see the, the game's
1: all here
0: he can tell the woman he's dancing with isn't wearing anything under his dress and she's like the better to feel your erection with and i was like all right i know where we're don't look at me that way i'm it's fucking in the text i will find it
1: <laughs> she gave
0: me a look and I swear <laughs> to God, I now need to justify. Oh, oh! I found it, baby. Her dress was full skirted, but he could feel her thighs against her legs from time to time. and had become more and more sure that she was smooth and powdered naked under the dress, under her dress, comma. And here's an intrusive thought. The better to fill your erection with, my dear. And he was sporting <laughs> a regular rail spike. It, if it offended her, she concealed it well. She snuggled even closer to him. Don't give me that look, Jacqueline. I know what I read. Um, (laughs) He was sporting a regular rail spike there, Missy.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I've never heard
0: a rail spike, but that's going into my repertoire of uh, euphemisms. (laughs) Of my list of... (laughs) Uh,
1: Euphemisms
0: that's what i thought i said that i fuck it you up
1: said euphemisms
0: listen listen here lady it's late and <laughs> words it's... n and m okay you man i know i okay, know i said I, I
1: let some Euphem- of your slips pass uh, okay
0: oh god i think you're right no i now that i think about it i think i did you Damn.
1: I wouldn't lie to you about that.
0: I'm not saying you'd lie. It was just more the stunning realization. Okay. This is like the shining. This is when I realized everything was not as it seemed to be. I'm being (laughs) manipulated by the hotel.
1: (laughs) I just wanted to say that I like that. I like pinpointing the people that we already know about in the hotel. I love that shit. A little bit more detail. Seeing them in the moment not just dead or not just someone mentioning, oh yeah, there was this lady.
0: I'm so on board with that because I felt the same way. And it makes sense from behind the scenes. You're like, well, of course, if he invents these characters, he can have this backstory Mm -hmm. in place where he wants. But it seems very expertly placed. Man, it sounds like I'm sucking Stephen King's dick right now. (laughs) But Jesus, no, but it's just... Yeah, like we learn about the dog, man. We learn about these characters that we'd only seen in ghost form and glimpses. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing the full picture. And you're like, oh, it finally, everything is clicking into place. Mm -hmm. So it seems satisfying to me. And I guess that's the part I particularly enjoy about that.
1: And so my question is. Are the people evil before they die or does the house make them evil? (laughs) Make the ghosties evil.
0: I think that the the hotel makes them evil. And that isn't to say that they're not evil before they die. I think some of them probably are. But I think in, in the way with Jack... The nuns,
1: it, definitely.
0: Or I think it's, it's more like it takes... The part of these people, whether they're good or bad, and it amplifies mm-hmm. the bad. It seems like it brings that out because it's it knows their insecurities. It knows what points to hit to mm-hmm. make you. It wants you. So it's going to use what it needs to to get you there. So I think like, like with Jack, he's mostly a good person. He's got a bad temper. He had a you know traumatizing upbringing. But that doesn't define him. But the house makes it so that all those things come to the surface, where it's all it can focus on, and then yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. So I, I think that it is the Overlook, and that's why it wants Danny. Yeah. It see, it feels his shine, and know it can use that to kind of reach out and touch people more than it could mm-hmm. before. So I, I think the Overlook is in itself a malevolent entity, and I think it it's corrupting. Because even Grady, he can't remember that he murdered his family. But something tells me he wasn't going to do that on his own. I mean, mean, there could have been issues, but I feel like the Overlook amplifies those issues. The
1: The conversation with Grady is very, I don't understand. He has no recollection of that. He's like, you've always been the caretaker. What do you mean? I'm not the caretaker. We were hired at the same time. And then he responds pretty well to, you killed your family. For a guy that doesn't know that he killed his family. And then I was like, never mind, you probably beat your family. The when he keeps on talking, I kind of got those vibes. He I think he was probably not the best person before the hotel.
0: Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. The people it takes probably aren't always um, the best.
1: The Nine best. Six. It
0: doesn't mean that they're bad people. No, but it definitely means that they had a dark side so to they're them
1: preyed on.
0: Yes, it, it is preying on that dark side and making sure that the dark side is what takes yeah. over.
1: Well, it made me wonder about inconsistent backstories of these people, because he says that you talk pretty well for a guy that I thought you didn't even finish high school and he's like, no, the house helps all that. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, the hotel surely takes care of me. And that's not what he says exactly. Yeah. But it's an-
1: what is this hotel for people? It's like a country club and a summer camp and a college. And I don't know, just like everything you could want put together, which is what he says. But it's just like I didn't realize I could uh, get my bachelor's degree as a ghost is what I'm getting at.
0: I, oh, I get that
1: oh wait no that's why they want jack to teach classes
0: because he's the poet and the next great american novelist
1: yeah
0: Mm, ha 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 hardy horror (laughs) they
1: didn't have enough writers on staff god damn
0: it the way i see it though in my mind it wasn't even that it made grady smarter it wasn't like it was just that Mm -hmm. it was using grady his body at the time And I think it was just speaking through him. And it was like, yeah. what? I didn't kill my family, even though clearly he did. I, we got hired at the same time. It was just one of those gaslighting. Uh, the mm-hmm. the Overlook is essentially gaslighting Jack. And I think, you know, you're crazy. This is how things really are. And it's working.
1: And then I was wondering, do you think kids are more susceptible to the Overlook like seeing through it because of his kids what his, one of his daughters like steals his matches
0: he tried to burn the fucker down
1: i think that that's a fair we're kind of led to believe that right i think
0: it is because he even mentions well he says like you know they didn't like it very much and the the two daughters didn't like it very mm-hmm. much and yeah one even tried to burn it down so i'd say i i That's almost kind of, I think, a uh, not myth. What's like a folktale, a kind of idea that younger children Mm -hmm. are more uh, open to sort of psychic phenomena that... Well, that's kind of like what the doctor
1: says. The doctor's like, oh, all kids have a a bit of schizophrenia or whatever he words it as, but they usually grow out of it. So it's just like having that overactive imagination. Mm. And I think because also kids don't kind of like when we were talking about the sex stuff, kids don't know things or they don't Mm -hmm. understand them. So they use the words that they have to kind of connect those dots or just m- try to make sense of it however they can. Or I think more so it would be just accepting it. Like think about adults trying to make excuses for the weird things that happen. Or, or rationalizing completely, it. Completely rationalizing it. And then kids are just like, no, no. That topiary moves.
0: Cause we're just like it was a trick of the mind. It was a heat stroke. It was this. It was that. It, like, I'm
1: just real tired. Oh no. You just
0: they're just like nah. It, it moved, man. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of both how it's kind of perceived, not necessarily in the media or in in media specifically, mm. you know, like fiction and and stories of that nature.
1: And then they warn him about Dick. Trying to swoop in and ruin everything. It's very interesting that that he's just been able to survive. But I get it. Like, the story has to exist, and it wouldn't really work without him.
0: Who are you talking about? um...
1: Dick this whole time, like, staying there, working there. They haven't driven him out, you know? Maybe they're just choosy. They know who they want to keep. Maybe they think getting Danny at this age is more beneficial to them because, yeah, he's more powerful, but also he's more malleable so they can make him what they want mm-hmm. and use him for it that's
0: definitely what it is i don't know if that the age quite plays as big a factor but definitely it wants it mentions that he's got potential that it it knows that it can use him to i can't remember the exact words but it's speaking through Grady talking about uh managerial timber and if you're made mm-hmm. of it but uh it's mentioned that the Danny like they could use it to the words that not make the overlook prosper or flourish but he mm-hmm. uses a word that very much like it can help us grow we'll be better
1: this is like a fucking pyramid scheme over mm-hmm. here he's <laughs> more... the
0: freaking key man
1: he's the top of the pyramid and then he recruited his family and then his family has to each recruit a family and then they recruit and it's just a whole pyramid scheme that's the the, the the overlook is an MLM. I love this. We're close to Wendy now. Not like we haven't been before, but it's like this is her chapter. I like that she's blatantly asking Danny out loud. Is it safe for me to leave here and like go make you lunch?
0: By this point, she's fully like, I know you've got a gift. I'm not even going to doubt it. I know this house is checked up. Something's happening to Jack.
1: It makes me wonder like what I would do in these situations, like would I have separated myself from my child to go make food. Also, why has she not been stashing food where they're staying? I know there's a concern about rats, just something to get them through like a little while and then you go restock. It's
0: this chapter later. She thinks like, can I really wait a month? it's probably this one because later on she locks him up but yeah she's like can i really avoid him for a month there's no way they can't get out uh, without a snowmobile uh, the storm is hitting harder than it ever has before so it's just like i don't know because <laughs> you have to keep the food fresh in the room somehow
1: remember they talk about it when they're like okay so we can put them in the fridge no we can't do that we can put them in the Pantry. Or wait, no, we can put him in the fridge, he'd live, and he could eat the food out of there. The pantry and then we would no, have the dry the goods.
0: No, they want to put him in the pantry because in the freezer he'd it'd be Oh, because it's cold. a
1: straight-up freezer, right? Yeah, Not it's either like a free even if
0: it was a fridge, either way it'd be too cold for him. So they stuff him in the pantry.
1: Yeah, he needs to get put on some ice, you know, cool down a bit. Bit of a hot head, if you ask me. I don't know, like really trying to risk her life for a bologna sandwich.
0: You no, know, it's some tomato soup and an then- omelet
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: they wait till like noon before she goes for it um jack doing stuff around and by then he would passed out in the colorado lounge
1: if she could imagine that the hotel was full of voices and music couldn't jack imagine that he was drunk she didn't like the thought not at all it's so much to think through when he got shit to do like she's out here trying to get her her daily tasks done feed her kid but now it's like, hmm, can you can you just imagine to be drunk? Mm-hmm. Is that how this is working now?
0: Well, she's aware that she's hearing freaking voices and that things are going yeah. weird. So she's like, in her mind, she's like, I, I I don't know what to believe is kind of possible anymore. So I can see, I empathize, I sympathize with her a little bit on that one.
1: I understand that she is trying to make her like inconspicuous to Jack. Like, okay, I'm going to take this knife, but I'm not going to do anything else because I don't want him to real. I think what she's doing is I don't want him to know that I'm protecting myself in any way. Because I think that would just make him more angry.
0: No, she wraps it in a towel. And at one point, she gets it in her bed she does...
1: Puts it in her room. Now, I get
0: that because you don't want to provoke someone you think might be violent.
1: Just like her jumping to conclusions and thinking that he was the one that hurt Danny. It makes him very angry to be accused of anything.
0: Or even if it wasn't an outright accusation, it was... Implied and no, I at that part I get. I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty rough. That no matter what, you never get the benefit of the doubt, it's always yeah. assumed. What did you do?
1: So who do you think is talking to her? Or like, is she talking to herself when it's like that big block of don't push the facts away this time, girl? There are certain realities as lunatic as the situation may seem. One of them is that you may be the only responsible person left in this grotesque pile.
0: I think this is all her because I I see I'm actually on that same page. You know, even if they start to wonder what's going to happen, are you going to spend a month sneaking down to get meals with a knife in your pocket? get jumping at shadows i think that's all her and we see that more in a couple chapters um one of another one of my favorites which is chapter 50 red rum um because that's another one from wendy's point of view but i think we get a lot closer to her in these these final chapters which is one of the reasons she becomes a character i enjoy more toward the end of this novel and then Danny's the one that saves the day and the first time popping out of nowhere, jumping on Jack, and then she frickin hits him jack in the head with a wine bottle. Cunk.
1: The bad stuff, he whispered. There was none of it here before, was there? No, the hotel put it here. And she says that. So she knows, like, she's acknowledging what the hotel is capable of.
0: And that's one thing I, I again, man, I cannot wait. And I mean this literally until we watch the movie, because I never felt that she was quite aware. Of what was going on. I mean, she knew her husband was going crazy, I thought. But in this one, she's fully aware that that's not Jack. And it comes at like, this is the hotel. She's way more on the up and up. Instead of some of the things keep happening to, it does happen. But she's finally like, okay, but I need to do stuff.
1: I didn't know Triscuits were this old.
0: I didn't. I guess, you know, it didn't really surprise me that it mentioned Triscuits, oh, yeah. but I guess it should I mean, have in a sense.
1: Triscuits are very like bland party food. Now they have more flavors, of course, but I'm more of a wheat thins kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he starts to like, oh, yeah, I never thought about it before, but now I realize why my dad drank. Yeah. He starts sympathizing with his dad and he doesn't even like his dad.
0: Yeah. This is what my notes for chapter 48 was down the rabbit hole he's sympathizing mm-hmm. with his crazy daddy and the and i put in quotes necessary beating of his mom
1: he mm-hmm. starts to justify yeah. why his
0: mom deserved to be oh, beat, probably because she was disrespecting the father in some sort of small way mm-hmm. and i'm like jesus man the the hotel's got its its claws in him and is pushing it because that's when like it didn't seem like jack i know like, he hated his his mm-hmm. you know, he mentioned his dislike for his father and all this stuff earlier his first memory of seeing that the the traumatic accident or not accident incident his dad mm-hmm. beats the mom and now he's like yeah he had it right he knew what he was doing and i'm like oh my god you've been turned so far but then the ghost of grady
1: comes in to save the day
0: save jack's day no one else's well, saves it for now. True. I was honestly surprised or not surprised in a bad way, but that Grady is the one. The house actually was able to unlock the door. I know it seems silly considering everything that had been done. but so seems tangible like, now. Yes, it was seemed like it had been acting through him. And yes, the hedges moved on the room, but that almost seemed different because that was like hedges for life. I don't they know.
1: They are moving, but they're not moving an inanimate object. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And this time he talks to the ghost and he's like, well, you know, you'll have to uh, put your son in line and I'll do it. I'll do it you'll probably the mom won't like it. Yeah, it's fine. She'll like it. You'll probably have to kill her. OK, I'll kill her. And then the door unlocks. And I was like, oh, my God, the ghost had the the whole time. The overlook was just like yell and lash the door. I was like, oh, shit. I just
1: wanted you to say it out loud. That I, I do my bidding.
0: Really? In my mind, I had been thinking, OK, someone's going to screw up. Someone's going to get distracted. Like somehow he's going to figure out a way to escape.
1: I, yeah, I thought he would just sweet talk Danny or something.
0: Yeah. Or maybe you'd be quiet. And Wendy would come by and say something and he'd pretend he was dead and she'd have to open it, something, or he'd find a way out. I just really didn't see straight up the overlooks like, all right, here you go. unlatches it and the door opens. It just felt very not like cheating but like you said tangible
1: a lot more powerful than we thought which
0: is funny we're talking about it's powerful because it can unlock a door but in the rules on um, the rules of like haunted houses that's supposed yeah. to be off limits like you can mess with us you can do things but like that lock i don't know it just felt sacred
1: in every haunted house how can anyone ever get out exactly. like i would lock all the doors if i was the house yeah
0: and I think that's part of what makes it scarier uh, is that I thought he was talking to him and something was he was going to influence some reason that it would logically unlock. No, the door unlocked and slowly opened like, oh, shit, Overlook's getting uh, a little ballsy. It's getting a little cocky here. And leaning up against that table is the the Roke mallet. And on top of the table was, I believe, um, either another martini or the, there was definitely a fifth gin. Like it left some booze for him and it left him the mallet. And it's like,
1: just like for Santa, you know? Yeah, it's
0: like, here, see, you said you were going to kill him. Here's a little bit of booze. And here's the murder weapon. Go to town.
1: Standing on top of it was a martini glass, a fifth of gin, and a plastic dish filled with olives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, when it says like, keep your promise, Mr. Torrance is interesting at this point, because it's like in the parentheses again. And I think that's because it's just like it now it's just a little nudge. It's not it doesn't need at this point to be loud.
0: Yeah, that's just the reminder Like we've made the yeah. deal. This is just me. Exactly. Saying. All right. Remember what we said? I've set you up
1: He put his hand on the mallet, said he will keep the promise. And he began to smile Ugh, i hate it and then what do they do Fucking pull it all away what do we get snow
0: hey i'm, I'm down
1: as a reader i'm like give me the good stuff oh i'm no. ready for it
0: and <laughs> as a writer you're like i see what you did there you did great you knew you knew how to do the pacing thing you knew that we were mm-hmm. right there about to taste it and you're like Hey, let's take a step back, look at this and keep you on edge for a few more pages. And it's still interesting, but you're oh, still definitely. like, give me, give me what I want. Yeah. Like, as you said, give me the good stuff. I, I like enjoyed that the shine is more evident in this version or in the novel because of all the Halloran chapters. But this one uh, is definitely there because he first it's the woman on the plane and then later when he almost gets run off the road by the snowplow. And he's like hanging off the snowplow guy, stops, gives him like his gloves, gives him like a new stuff. And he's just like, you know, I don't know how you could know the stuff, but I believe you. And he realizes that he also has this shine and he tells him someone it just established for me some world building because suddenly the shining wasn't just something Danny and he had and something we heard other people had we got to see it him interacting with it and how not like the hands of fate but sometimes in this case it didn't look like it would always work in his favor it was looking out for him he needed the gloves he got the gloves he got the better coat he got the better stuff and you're just like Okay, that worked out really well in a sense. And it was because of the shine.
1: And that's why we definitely needed him in the story because he he's lived longer. He can articulate these things and he knows more than Danny does. Danny's very insightful but he doesn't know that he gets stretch the intuition
0: of part of it with Dick. We get the intuition and the explanation after, but we get all of it, the comprehension, the understanding mm-hmm. where Danny, we as readers can understand it, but Danny doesn't necessarily always get it.
1: There's that cute bit at some point where Danny's like, yeah, it's sweet. It's S U I T E, not S W E E T. I noticed this now.
0: And he's like, <laughs> so- and I tried really hard not to make that mistake. He finally realizes when he sees it written down. It's like, oh, I, I made sure to memorize the distance, the the difference. I know it's a different kind of sweet now.
1: It was just so cute.
0: And that's, again, a strength, I think, is that Danny's point of view seems very realistic. I never felt that it was an adult pretend. I mean... Yes, Danny has like smart thoughts, but it never felt fake.
1: It's like if we had the shine mm-hmm. and we were reading his thoughts, yeah, you know because it's not like full, and it's not like his actual perspective constantly because it's like a third close point of view. Mm-hmm. anything else
0: not for forty nine
1: no I just got that that house yelling, telling him to keep away, very uh, offensive <laughs> oh,
0: yeah,. Right. The, red rum, red rum. He drops a whole lot of them words <laughs> and sings them.
1: And he's just like not the little boy, such a sweet man. But also, okay, I get it, cause plot, right? But maybe you shouldn't have gone all the way to Florida. You know, you had a sense.
0: You had a sense, but...
1: Maybe California.
0: He had his plans to go to Florida set before he met Danny. So it's not like, oh, you know, I got a weird feeling. You know what? Fuck my plans. He's like, now I'll do my plans. And if I have to...
1: I will just go across the country.
0: Hey, and apparently he means it because he does it. The Calorans, my boy.
1: Chapter 50. Rad Rom. Red Rom. Red
0: Rom. <laughs> yeah, so... I mentioned this is another one of my favorite chapters and I still stand by that mainly because in in chapter 50, bedroom this is one of Wendy's chapters. We get a lot of her. I was really into it because this is when they locked up Jack and Danny's asleep. She starts to hear things because their room is above the kitchen, which is where they locked in Jack And she starts to hear him having a one sided conversation and she hears part of it where it sounds like he's she's like he's discussing murdering us. He's talking with this other person, but she also recognizes that it's not jack's voice responding that it doesn't sound like him which lends credence to you okay it's the overlook Mm -hmm. there's definitely something more ominous here um and then when she finally goes to listen in a little more details the heating vent or like the furnace kicks on blows up the air
1: how convenient
0: oh that's exactly what i thought and I thought this is maybe some foreshadowing because once again, that's actually what reminded me in my notes is like the rush of warm, warm air. When's the last time someone checked the boiler is what I wrote in my notes, um, but because the heat has been going on. And so she finally says, "Okay, you know, I didn't even get the food earlier. Yeah, because they didn't eat it all that day because by now it's like six something. And so she's like, man, we didn't eat it all. I should go heat up that soup, whatever. And we get the part that I really enjoy about this chapter is Wendy's conflicting thoughts. So a lot of this she starts rash or thinking thoughts and then rationalizing them. Intrusive thought. Jack's gotten out. Next line. Don't talk nonsense next line yes he's out he's gotten a knife from the kitchen or maybe the meat cleaver he's on his way up here right now walking along the sides of the risers so the stairs don't creak next thought you're insane and then another thought you're jumping at shadows another thought and it's just i i related very much to her Mm -hmm. and when she finally decides you know what fine he should be locked in there. I'll go downstairs. He should be locked in. So I should be in no danger. And I'll just go get this stuff. And her next thought is, oh, yes. And don't get killed if he's down there with a knife. And I loved it because that felt like something I would think modern. Yeah. And thinking that this is in the 70s, it was. it's nice to be self-aware.
1: We're not so different. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: She's like, see, no boogies here. No, of course not. Of course he is. But the voices. is, I liked that this character was self-aware of she's in this freaking horror show. She is constantly having these anxious thoughts. And maybe it's because I have anxiety. So I get it. Like you get a thought and then she immediately has to rationalize it. She gets a thought and she just immediately has to say, no, stop thinking that. You're crazy. This is what it is. And so I I I related and empathized a lot with her. I also liked how she kind of comes to this realization in this one very early on in that chapter. She's like, you know, I'd been kind of just I don't know what I'm gonna have to do, but what if what if he finally does decide to kill me? She's like, Am I gonna be able to pull? But I empathized a lot with her just in in, in that rationalization and realizing she's in a freaking horror show. And I mean, literally, her, her husband's tried to murder her and he's voiced that he will attempt to do it again at his earliest convenience. And he's in the kitchen. So she knows he's got all this cutlery. So I don't know. I, I just really. Oh, uh, the point I was making earlier specifically was that she's like, well is there enough of a primal mother in me that I'll be able to like fight him off she kind of mm. realizes that you know what I might get killed here but I guess I'll have to do something about it because otherwise I'm gonna die here for nothing and he's gonna get Danny
1: and I think that's the hardest thing to like deal with is like well if I try and fight him off and I die and I leave Danny what is that what is that for It's for nothing because how's he gonna survive
0: yeah he's dead
1: that's so many thoughts to think for a mom I can't imagine
0: also this could be completely unrelated but I happen to notice this is the first chapter when she goes down the stairs and she counts the the main staircase it's 19 steps down and one of the things this is me being a geek in the dark tower series by Stephen King the number 19 is important it often is like a theme Mm -hmm. that repeats so I couldn't help but wonder if uh, this technically was um published before the first dark tower book the gunslinger but he started writing the gunslinger prior to this so i was just wondering like is this was that intentional was the 19 a think because 19 the number becomes important well in the dark tower as well um it kind of ties all of his stories together in that mm-hmm. there's some part of a, a tangled web so i was just curious like she mentions 19 steps and it comes up like two or three times in a page. So I was like, nineteen, nineteen, nineteen. I was like, man, I, I wonder. It. I couldn't <laughs> ignore it. So it was just a, a small little bitty there. My last thing. So this is this is when he finally uh the violence really starts. Cause this is when he actually Jack hits her with the mallet. I believe he gets her three times. First he gets her I think he gets it right in the gut oh. the first time isn't it yeah yeah first time it's in the stomach then he hits her in the side breaking ribs and then oh, yeah. then he hits her left knee just below her left kneecap with it and finally he scrapes her ear as she rolls out of the way this happens in over the course of like a big scuffle mm-hmm. but man i don't know about you when i was reading it it's like it's so brutal Man, it's just, and it's written very matter of fact.
1: It is all of the details are. It's well, it's now. Yeah, there's no like flourish to it.
0: The mallet came down again with whistling, deadly velocity, and buried itself in her soft stomach. She screamed suddenly, immer- submerged in an ocean of pain dimly she saw the mallet rebound it came to her with sudden numbing reality that he meant to beat her to death with the mallet he held in his hands and then he says his i guess you'll take your medicine uh, and it's just and she stabs him in the back with a knife like bail bur- buries it to the freaking hill and he gets up and he's pissed
1: it somehow has made him stronger he's now fueled purely by, by anger
0: <laughs> He's a rage machine. The violence, like you said, wasn't flourished, but the impact each time it happened. And I think there's something to be said about I would never think the whistle would be like a sound to be scared of, but thinking of this mallet whistle, like I can hear, realizing that that is the sound of something heavy being whipped through the air. Like I can imagine hearing that being like, Jesus Christ, trying to get out of there. But yeah, this goes on for like a multiple pages
1: it is that chase was
0: another good one though because they're all that's happening is he hits her not all that's happening but he hits her on the the side he hits her four times with, with the mallet she stabs him in the back they fall on the stairs and it's kind of it's a scuffle but it goes on so long where she's trying to climb the steps and oh is this the part where he hits her in the back as well Cause there's one point where he hits her right between the shoulders and she feels she hears something crack that might be in a couple uh chapters. That is, it's actually 52. Um, that's when she tries to get up later, but my god, she stabs him and he's just getting up. And then we cut to uh Halloran because in chapter 51, Halloran arrives, he's got his snowmobile, he uh goes up there, the lion straight up fucks him up like it knocks yeah. him off it starts pawing him and he sees it move he sees the topiary moving stalking leaping him it slashes at him it bites him it's drawing blood ripping through it rips through his mask his ski mask his jacket when he tries
1: to yell you're not there you're yeah. not there at all uh, uh, was a little- my guy what well, do you think this is the first time that he's getting like physically attacked by one of the things. It seems like it. So maybe that's why he has to like come to terms with like he thought he wouldn't get hurt. I don't
0: know. I feel like once it knocked him off the thing in the first place, might have been I don't know, he maybe thought it was a fluke or it kind of wasted its Mm -hmm. it blew its psychic load on that first attack. Mm -hmm. But it becomes evident very quickly, nah, that line's just jacking him up.
1: And then we're right back in the In the thick of it, honestly, with Wendy Mm -hmm. and Jack in 52.
0: Because then we start alternating a little quicker.
1: Yeah, this is when he's going after her.
0: He gets her in the shoulder.
1: She looks behind (sighs) her, shouldn't have looked back. And right behind you, right behind you now, bitch, with your medicine. And he's just chasing her down. The mallet slammed down behind her and she threw herself forward, sobbing over her shoulder. She saw Jack stumble forward he's getting unbalanced but like oh, yep square between the shoulder blades Mm -hmm. got it right then
0: something inside her had snapped she had heard it clearly and for a few moments she was aware only in a muted muffled way as if she were merely observing things through a cloudy wrapping of gauze later on it's revealed i believe she broke some vertebrae or something
1: it's terrible because he's blaming her for the way that danny is oh yeah but in reality danny still fucking loves him yeah you know so much and he's so poisoned by literally everything even before the hotel i really do think he's been poisoned to think that everyone's out against him oh yeah that's absolutely not the case.
0: i'm getting major Anakin Skywalker vibes here
1: <laughs> you turned
0: her against me <laughs> you know like going down a path I cannot follow but but really when he <laughs> said like you turned Danny like against me and I know this came before the prequels yeah obviously but you were my brother exactly you were the chosen one
1: uh but no it's funny because Ewan mcgregor
0: oh he Doctor sleep he played danny and obi-wan my god we found it we found the answer <laughs> obi-wan is danny that's what the force the force it's is the, the shining. shining use the shining Luke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh the shining is strong in this one <laughs> mm. my god if we clipped in bits of The Shining into the prequels, it would make it a better movie. It would. If we put... Dick, we make him a blue glow, like he's a force ghost, and he does the description of The Shining. Oh, my God. Top tier. Top tier talking about the force.
0: Mm. (laughs) She chases him. He's still got the knife in his back. She gets to the uh, the room. He's bashing... We didn't get a here's Johnny and um, we also didn't get an all work and no play mix Jack a dull boy. I was I thought that would be coming when she mentioned the typewriter and unfortunately it's like well that's one thing that the film has that will remain iconic for me because I thought maybe we'd get hints at that.
1: But like what work please tell me.
0: True, it's his job to maintain the hotel obviously. That's his work.
1: Yeah, but every every few hours, oh, Gage is good.
0: He had to do the the shingles and board up. Yeah, but that's done and he has now. to switch it between the the heat has to go on certain wings, and he has to like change oh, yeah. some, so they're all evenly. Anyway, he had to shovel the trench of snow. It was like five feet high.
1: All right, I probably couldn't do that, but everything else. Um,
0: but yes, then he gets. She this is like we get that bathroom scene where again, I was thinking some here's Johnny instead she mm-hmm. slashes him with a razor blade i i'm I'm digging it
1: into it very yep. into it.
0: That's what I was thinking. He's like reaching for the he breaks through the door with his hammer goes for the lock and the bolt. she's like slash 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 teach you a fucking lesson. uh Jack is distracted because he hears our boy. On the way, he hears snowmobile.
1: It's Halloran laid low. Yep. It's so much of a rush that, like, it's hard to pull yourself away to make notes at this point.
0: My thing only was for Halloran laid low the fucking fire punch. He literally splashes the gas on the topiary line, mm-hmm. gets all over him. It's like fuck it he lights he pulls out a zippo lights his I was like, arm this on is fire it. this is Saying, i thought he was gonna burn to death i
1: was like you can't come this close to I was like, this is even more
0: brutal but then instead he lights his own arm on fire and punch and shoves it through the line's the topiary lion's chest. That's freaking hardcore. And it sets fire, it dies, and then he douses his hand in the snow. He's like, all right, cool, good.
1: Could not be me. I can't imagine.
0: We are so in the end game right now that these chapters start to like fly by
1: especially because they're so short in comparison to some of the ones in the previous oh, yeah
0: five pages seven pages five pages two pages like very yeah. quick snippets jumping back and forth between the action
1: tony hmm, tony you say
0: yeah and what's uh danny's name anthony middle name is anthony yeah
1: tony Daniel
0: anthony Torrence.
1: no one was gonna tell me that his middle name was anthony
0: i think i feel like it was mentioned maybe once and that might
1: have dad's name was said i feel like dad's full name because his dad's middle name is anthony too right Because he says his name is John.
0: Yeah, it is. And they call him. His name is John Torrance, but he goes by Jack. I feel like at some point, Dan, Danny's name was mentioned, but maybe so long ago.
1: And I've now forgotten, but I feel like I would have.
0: But yeah, so we we get the big reveal that Tony here is actually Danny from the future is like 10 years in his teenage years.
1: A ghost of both. A halfling.
0: Yeah, I'm not. So you said this uh, is something that upset you. Is that what I recall you mentioning?
1: Well, I'm just mad at me. I'm mad at the story. Why didn't I know that? I should have known that. But I feel like in the movie, they truly paint Tony as, as a malevolent creature or Imaginary friend, just the whole way that it's portrayed, Mm -hmm. like those instances of him and bam, talking to his fucking finger and stuff like that's supposed to be off putting and scary and bad. And in the beginning, it's like, well, Tony's showing you bad things. So, like, I don't like him. Like, it's making me nervous. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, you're like, no, Tony's like, hey, let me show you what could be wrong. Let me prep you for what could go wrong because he knows
0: and that's why a lot of the times he's showing me bad things but they were premonitions yeah that makes sense like okay he's trying to you know like uh, you're gonna have to watch out there yeah because uh i know what's coming i like the idea of it being part of himself warning him like some sort of premonition but the whole it's me in 10 years kind of looking back that threw me a little bit.
1: I don't like when we bring time travel into things. Yeah, And I know that's not exactly, at least I don't think that's exactly what it is.
0: Exactly, but it's it gives that some sort of that vibe.
1: But it's just anytime you bring time stuff, it makes everything else wonky. So I'm glad we don't spend like time with it really. Yeah,
0: it's one because chapter. Because we did
1: it would just and though it's thrown in right at the end, you don't really get time to sit with it and think about it and think about what that means. Um, which, like I'm saying, it's that's for the best. We don't need to spend more time thinking about the logistics of it. And I think Danny wouldn't have the ability to speak about it in any way more than he did in describing it but i really do wonder like how much of this is hereditary or or was he out here muggle born you know (laughs) because i know we talked about it a bit and like you know moms have a bit of the shine and you know jack but i just wonder i think because of the name thing i started to wonder if it's like like you pass down a name you pass down genetics Mm mm-hmm And so Danny is like an evolved form of his father. I mean, I see like clearly the the hotel isn't as impressed with him, but it's I don't know. I feel like there has to be something said about him being the first to see it all, you know?
0: No, I get that. Yeah.
1: Or it was just using him. So it just showed itself to him.
0: The more we go on, the more it seemed like it was, I think, almost like your muggle-born theory. It just seemed like Jack. I thought maybe he had the shine. He
1: wanted to. Yeah. Maybe. But
0: I I think in the end, it was more the house manipulated him. It knew what it it could do. And it was like, all right, I'll use you. And I think that's what it came down to is that was just unfortunate. Now, after reading it, I don't think that Jack had the shine as opposed to the first half where I speculated maybe he did.
1: I think the thing that would have made this okay is if this Tony situation is if it wasn't if it wasn't him as older, if it was just him at the age that he was in the house. Because yeah. that's all the different eras of the house exists at the same time. So maybe somehow Tony was Danny was already there. Because it's like, you were always the caretaker here. And like I don't know what that means, but just like at the end of The Shining movie, Jack Nicholson is in that photo from the party. Mm
0: -hmm. So he
1: was there somehow. He's like, what can save us? What can do it? Oh, the trap door. The attic. We can do that. And then what's there? That nice, shiny new lock that Daddy-O put up there.
0: Which and I feel like that was actually foreshadowed too, because in in the earlier premonition he had when he was running and the shadow was following him and the walls were shaking as though they're being hit by a mallet. I remember he's thinking, Oh, but Mm -hmm. the the, it's locked. The thing is the, the the hatch is locked. So it did come full circle and it made sense that Danny wouldn't have remembered it. Remember how earlier I asked the question to you and it was essentially, um, is there anything that didn't particularly work for you? For me, that came in this chapter, that which was forgotten. And there's Mm -hmm. a few things that happened in this one. Some of it could, uh, the conversation between Danny and what is no longer Jack. This is the part where Jack mallets himself in the face and becomes like reveals you know there is no more jack i am the overlook and that's actually the part that didn't work for me
1: do you think it was too much i
0: think it was It all for me it crossed the line into cheesy uh so after masks off then no more interruptions and he Mm -hmm. smashes himself in and becomes you know like blah, blah blah and danny screams the boiler it hasn't been dumb since this morning. It's going up. It's going to explode. And then it, they now referring to Jack as it. Mm-hmm. The boiler, it cried. Oh, no, that can't be allowed. Certainly not. No, you goddamn little pup. Certainly not. Oh, oh, oh. It just felt so hokey. And suddenly I was no longer afraid of it. And more, it felt like a cheesy, outdated. And then. No, oh no, it mustn't. It can't, you dear little boy. I'll make you take your medicine. I'll make you take every drop. Oh no, oh no. Once it stopped being think, jacked.
1: Do you think that's because it's the it's now the overlook? Just how like Grady was talking. So yeah. it's like not who they are anymore. The hotel is just a fucking nerd.
0: It felt like a dork. And that yeah, sounds right.
1: Uh, Liar Liar the movie Liar Liar and he's like the claw you can't handle and he like goes after him and then the ex-wife's new boyfriend he's like hey I got the claw and he has like his two little fingers like Mm -hmm. oh Gonna get you. That's what I think this is.
0: It suddenly turned tail and began to shamble away. It just felt like he's like, well, actually, I got. Danny's like, I got one for you. The boy is gonna do it, and he's like, oh, ho, 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 no, you don't. Yeah. And it continues on to the next chapter that it's two couple chapters that it's in. That part honestly didn't work for me. Where I literally wrote down it felt cheesy.
1: It is. I think that it fully takes over the idea that Jack isn't there anymore. Like it's definitely the and I just matched it with the way that Grady talks, because I don't think it's like uh higher education here at the Overlook. I think that it was just a different entity talking through him. So I think it made sense that Jack was different. But it just, it doesn't feel evil. <laughs> it doesn't have the the urgency that Jack yeah. has. And I think it's interesting that if the hotel was playing off of the evilness, the bad stuff that's inside of Jack, mm-hmm. that we never heard this sort of voice before.
0: It goes into the next chapter, which is called The Explosion, uh, for obvious reasons, which is honestly... The explosion part, fantastic, well written. But this this ties into what I was saying because it's just a few pages later for me. So it being the uh, overlook that is now using Jack's mutilated body as its Mm -hmm. vessel mustn't happen. It cried, "Oh no, mustn't happen." No, it won't be allowed. The manager slash caretaker cried, and then finally, it like it thinks it stops the boiler and it says, "I win." It cried. It capered obscenely in the hot rising mist, waving its flaming hands over its head. Not too late. I win. Not too late. Not too late. Not. Words turned to a shriek of triumph and the shriek was swallowed in a shattering roar as the overlook spoiler exploded. I don't know the whole not too late. I win. just (laughs) seems so Scooby-Doo villain.
1: What do you think the goal is for the air quote manager do you think it's like needs a new body needs a vessel
0: it's like wendy's thing was that it liked to collect certain people and it knew that if it collected danny it could use his soul slash body slash whatever he was Mm -hmm. and harness that shine To be able Mm -hmm. to like more to be able to react and interact with things that it couldn't before.
1: We kind of see it talk through to people Mm -hmm. because I really do think it like with Grady and then with Jack and like, but it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting because I wonder if there is like a physical form.
0: And there might be because
1: there's one thing.
0: The manta shape that happens after it explodes and. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny and Wendy and Dick get out barely nick of time, but it blows up and then they, they get on the snowmobile and they have to go get some blankets and some stuff from the equipment shed because, mm-hmm. uh, they, they weren't They'll quite freeze. equipped for it. Yeah. They don't see it, Wendy and Danny, but Dick sees he says, as the house is going up a shape, a kind of shadow in the shape of a manta in the presidential mm-hmm. suite or suite. And it's only as like the fire goes up that it sort of dissipates and fades. So I don't know if that was supposed to be kind of the entity itself would have taken mm-hmm. some sort of physical shadowy form. And then there's that very brief moment where uh, it almost takes over Dick and is like, hey, maybe you can uh, pick up this rope mallet and go murder them. For-. and." It, it's like a page and then he's like yeah nah, i should get the fuck out of here
1: what a fucking ending that would have been just like thought you were out just kidding i don't know
0: and i i'm all for downer endings and things like yeah. that i don't know if it would have felt me. i think because at this point like it felt like we were on the descent of the climax we were over the climax and that's not to say that surprise would be bad just seemed like i don't know dick suddenly coming out murdering them too
1: and he would have had nowhere to go
0: (laughs) the year one after he murdered them
1: where would he go And then he starts building his own hotel.
0: After that, like, that's pretty much the end of it. I mean, the, the house blows up, they escape, uh, they go down the mountain pass, they're met with the doctor and some other people, and then they go to Florida and they're, she's going to get a new job It's months after Danny's still sad and kind of grieving his dead father. But um, Dick's like, it's all good, homie.
1: I got this nice food. Everything yep. will be great. Let me heal you with this good food. It's so cute when he says, you won't forget old friends, will you? Danny wouldn't let me.
0: And overall, I really enjoyed this this novel. Except for some of the nitpicky things, which you obviously just yeah. heard from me. <laughs> Not too fond of that particular part of the ending
1: it's going to be interesting to watch the movie i'm excited and then i really want to rewatch doctor sleep i'm excited to revisit those i'm excited that this i finished it this is like my first full stephen king novel that i've read Ooh. about time i've only started like 17 of them and just never finished it i'm so bad at that
0: that's really bad at least i've read a few
1: that's yeah, fine read the short stories
0: Mm, those are pretty good too yeah
1: it's something you know but it's yeah no i'm glad we're doing this because it forces me to do things
0: (sighs) i get that
1: thanks for making me hold myself accountable
0: Hey, you too. I mean seriously. I'm glad. I really am glad that I I read it. Enjoyed yeah, it.
1: This is good. I'm I'm glad it was good.
0: I think because I enjoyed it, I was a little more passionate and excited to talk about it. So
1: Any final thoughts? To
0: be honest, no.
1: I'm ready to read more Stephen King. I know I'm not. i have a, well, but I, I mean, want to.
0: I've I've read it before, but I definitely it this was a nice reminder on why, when I have read Stephen King, I enjoyed it, and why mm-hmm. I think that you know, despite people thinking, I keep I'm always going to bring this up the whole genre is less than literary thing, uh, it sticks with me. But, like, I don't know, I think this was extremely well written, uh, or at least the, the imagery was very evocative. And there was a lot about this that I enjoyed uh, that I think, you know, is art regardless of, oh, but it's got scary stuff. So it's it's not real literature. Yeah. That's all I'd say. I liked it. Yeah,
1: I liked it. I thought it was actually a bit scary. It got my adrenaline pumping some goosebumps. I think he is good at the descriptions. yeah um that's that's really where this work shines (laughs) (laughs) i caught myself as i was saying it (laughs) i feel dumb for not reading more of his work sooner it's just it never caught me at the right time to read it but now i'm forcing myself to so deadlines baby Mm -hmm. that's how we get things done thank you for listening as always Catch you in the next episode where we're covering the film version of The Shining.